where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Huh? Pump day! Good morning. Happy Hump Day. Happy Ask Uncle Randy Day on 101 ESPN at 701. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy Carricker, Michelle Smallman, great to have you with us. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. You made me laugh so hard before we came on air that I'm coughing and I'm trying to get my voice back, but <laughs> I am doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Looking forward to the text at 65780 at 715. We always have good questions for Ask Uncle Randy. We're going to spend the eight o'clock hour talking to former Major League umpire and now podcast host Joe West, one of the more more entertaining people in sports that you'll ever hear from. And it is Wednesday, so Wednesdays with Wayno also coming your way at 9.30. And it's always good to talk to Adam Wainwright as the Cardinals wrap up a series tonight in Cincinnati, 5.40 with the action against the Redlegs after losing last night, Michelle, 5-1. That Austin roll mine. Oh, man. Cardinal killer. <laughs> oh, should have never let him go. <laughs> no, that was our guy. Well, kind of. I, I wouldn't even know him. I really wouldn't. If you, if you ran into him yeah. at Chinooks, would you know him? No, I wouldn't. I would not. But he's probably Italian. Right? Romine? <laughs> Doesn't that sound Italian? Romine. Romine. You can make anything sound Italian if you if use you... your hands and do the cadence correctly. Well, but you have to have the vowel at the end. True, but you could go Carriker. Yeah, that, I could do that. We can. Have you we, met him? His name's Randy Carriker. Yeah, I'll just hang out on the hill, and I'm I'm Italian. There you yeah, go. No problem at all. Last night the Cardinals did lose by a score of five to one. I want to get to the card moment, Michelle. Okay. The Brewers allowed runs to the Pirates in the seventh inning, the eighth inning, and the ninth inning, and they lost five to two. That bullpen is a it's a disaster area for the Brewers right now. Which was such a strength. Yeah, right. It was that what was, made them so it lethal. It was them. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And it's not as if Josh Hader's, you know, being an all-world beater now in San Diego. But it just seems like, even though he was having struggles, moving on from him disrupted the entire chemistry of what was happening in the bullpen there. And if you talk to any relief pitcher, they really like having a role. For the most part. Now, things have changed. It used to be that if Ricky Horton was going to pitch in a game, he was going to come in in the 7th or 8th against a left-handed hitter. Brad Thompson was going to come into a game. The Cardinals were down 7-2. to two. But Jason Isinghausen was a ninth inning guy. Closer. It's not that way anymore. Ryan Helsley pitches in the 7th against high-leverage guys. But when you move a guy who was an 8th inning guy to the ninth, different mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. And when you move a 7th inning guy to the 8th, Brad Boxberger, it's, it's a different deal for those guys. And I'm sure, in addition to what we've talked about a lot, and you just mentioned, the the feeling in that clubhouse about trading Hater, I would think the upheaval of roles has something to do with the problems in their bullpen, too. Well, and 
you're right. We all like our routine and our structure of work. I mean, we do radio every day, Randy. And if somebody's just said, hey, tomorrow you're going to do TV and you better be ready for it. It's kind of the same same concept. We're all in media. It's mm-hmm. a completely different animal. And maybe I don't want to do TV or maybe I don't feel equipped to do TV or I'm not give, given or my, my preparation doesn't translate to do TV, but it's still technically kind of the same job, but the pressures are different. And I just can't imagine if I wasn't really thrilled about assuming a role that, as as any pitcher will say, is completely different. Those last three outs are completely different. And all of a sudden, and down the stretch, I'm having to do that. And it's not necessarily something that I want to do or feel equipped to do, even if my stuff is nasty. I don't know. that. A lot of athletes are so mental, and as we heard from Adam Wainwright before Sunday Night Baseball, they have their routine, and you you mess that up, and it and you couldn't see it in the results, which is what we're seeing in Milwaukee. So our friend Rennie Nod gets up at one o'clock. I know that Ugh. Mo Drummond gets up in the one o'clock hour. Margie Ellisor gets up in the one o'clock hour. No, thank you. No, that that would be a role change that would be devastating to me. In fact, it would cause me to die. <laughs> Same. Yeah, uh, Randy, we get no sleep as it is. Or at least mm-hmm. I don't. I'm lucky if I'm working with four hours and mm-hmm. you mean to tell me that we would have to stay up and watch games and get up at one o'clock in the morning? There's no way. It'd be tough. Tough to make that happen. It'd be impossible to make that happen. And shout out to them, by the way, for doing oh, that. Oh, right. Because and they're always so happy, too. So, I, I, a quick aside, my very first job out of college, I worked for Tissel today in St. Louis mm-hmm. on News Channel 5. I had to be there at four, which meant I had to get up at three. And no matter how long you do it, because I did it for a year and a half, your body never really acclimates. There's just something about getting up when it's that dark outside and going to bed when it's light outside that never really feels normal. And you always have this this energy drain. So shout out to all the people out there doing morning television that have to get up that early. I respect you. The late, great Bill Wilkerson at KMOX, great friend of mine. And I asked him one time about getting up in the morning because he'd been a sports guy like us. And then he switched to mornings. And he always called me Randall. Randall, you never get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) You really don't. You really don't. So the Cardinals scoreless last night in the third inning when Tommy Edmonds steps in. You just probably don't listen to him as much as I. High drive into deep right and 1-0 Cardinals. Long home run, Tommy Edmonds. Ball is blistered. Into the seats in right, Tommy Edmond with his 11th home run. And that was it for the Cardinals scoring, but in the bottom of the inning, Austin Romine with a home run, Jake Fraley with an RBI double, Kevin Farmer singled a run home against Dakota Hudson. It was 4-1 to one after three. It wound up a 5-1 final. Donnie Barrels grounding into a double play, the former Cardinal farmhand Donovan Solano, to make it 5-1 in the fifth. And the Cardinals score, uh, fall by a score of 5-1, snapping their three-game winning streak. Dakota Hudson was not great after having perhaps his best performance last week. He only goes four and two-thirds. He allows five runs on nine, hits strikes out two, and does walk one. Here's his skipper, Ali Marmal. Dak uh, actually executed some pitches and still got beat. At the end of the day, uh, their lineup was uh, better than his pitches tonight. Um, some well-executed pitches at the bottom of the zone. Um, they beat the shift several times, and then uh, Romine got him to right center. Uh, but overall, three strikes, got beat. 
And that happens to pitchers. The problem is, it seems to happen to, to Dakota Hudson a lot more than other pitchers. You And what did you say last week, Randy, or in his last outing, is that you want to look at the result, not or not yeah. actually watch him pitch, just the, look at the result? The best way to assess Dakota Hudson is to not watch him pitch. So if you're just looking at the result last night, where are you at on Dakota Hudson as we sit here this morning? Jack Flaherty makes the next start in the rotation and makes the rest of the starts in that spot in the rotation. And it had to be somebody. Jack Flaherty's better than pretty much all of these guys, except for Wayno. And so somebody had, and Montgomery, since the Cardinals got him, somebody's got to be ex- expunged from the rotation. I love that word. Great word. Thank you. And uh, so it's got to be uh, Dak. Sorry. Mike Claiborne joined us in studio yesterday and said Dakota Hudson must have heard footsteps before his last outing because he went out there and essentially pitched for his job. And then he goes into Great American Ballpark where he's had success. He was 3-0 and before last night, 1.93 ERA in Cincinnati. And to know that he had the outing last time that gave him a little bit more footing and that this was another opportunity for him to build upon that and, and assess himself and really make the case for himself to stay in the lineup knowing that Jack Flaherty is hopefully emerging back into the rotation soon. You, you just hope to see a better outing than that. So how did Hudson feel about this particular outing? I mean, I felt all right with it. I mean, I kept the ball on the ground for the most part. You know, Roman put up a good swing on a good pitch. Um, but other than that, it's just a lot of felt like a lot of ill-timed uh, shift beaters, and um, you know, ball hits a bag. Not much I can do about it. Ill-timed shift beaters. I, can you play the beginning of that again, Matthew? I, I want to hear the beginning of that again. Okay. I mean, I felt all right with it. Okay. I mean, Okay, you went four and two-thirds in a major league game. You're a starting pitcher, and you went four and two-thirds innings, and you felt all right with it. I don't feel all right with it. You have five hits. I don't feel all right. No, five five hits in, in four and two-thirds. Four and two-thirds, two thirds, no. Yeah, no, I, I don't feel all right with it. And maybe he's in denial. Denial is more than just a river in Egypt, okay? Uh, we've got to get his mind right. It's, he, I don't think he understands how to be a starting pitcher. If, if he feels all right with that, then that's a problem. You would expect more uh, we always expect more outward frustration mm-hmm. you know we i would think if i had an outing like that and my team lost the game and i knew that my job was up for someone else to take i would be a little bit more uh demonstrative a little bit a little bit angry but not everybody reacts that way and i get that there are bleeders there are things that happen during the course of the game but at the end of the day you did allow the home run to Romine. You did allow the the double to Fraley, and those were the crunchers that drove in uh, three of the runs. And that's and granted, the offense wasn't there anyway. They they lost five to one. I'm just saying that I if I were as an observer, if I were Ali Marmol, I would want my pitchers to give me more than five innings. And when Ali Marmol says their lineup was better than his pitches, well, that's not a good lineup. That's true. That's a great point. That's not a good lineup. That's a great point. So as we mentioned, so the Cardinals win or lose 5-1. to I get used to them winning. And the the Brewers lost again. And last night was a weird night in the National League. Pretty much all of the contending teams, everybody that's in a playoff spot, lost their game in the National League. The Dodgers uh, beat the Mets 4-3. to So the Mets lost. One of those two had to lose, right? But you had the Rockies beating the Braves. You had the Pirates beating the Brewers. You had the Diamondbacks beating the Phillies. And then you had the Padres over the Giants, and the Padres are kind of on the outskirts. But not a great night for the, all of the contenders in the National League. So things stay pretty much status quo.
Cardinal six games up on the Brewers. Yep. And also last night, Aaron Judge hit home run number 51. Heading into September, he'll have the largest home run lead, 18 home runs over his nearest competitor, which is amazing in and of itself. It is. No, it's more than over, yeah, in the majors, Kyle Schwarber. He, he's got a, a 15 home run lead over Kyle Schwarber, and that's the biggest lead since Babe Ruth in 1928. To think that down the stretch here, we're going to have Albert Pujol 700 watch and Aaron Judge Maris record-breaking watch. It's going to be really fun. It's must-see TV for two different teams. We'll have to dig into this, and maybe we can do something tomorrow or Friday. I wonder if there's ever been a better bet-on-yourself season in sports than Aaron Judge betting on himself this season. Turning down the contract and saying, oh, I can make more than that by having a great year. So like, it's hard to imagine. The first one that popped into my mind was when Dak, Prex, Dak Prescott did it. Mm-hmm, right, um, good point. I, I think that Judge is outperforming what Dak did, but the Cowboys didn't want to pay him. He was coming back off the ankle, right? Bet on himself mm-hmm. and ended up playing great and got the contract. Um, that's just the first one that came to mind, but I would put judge over what we saw out of Prescott. Um, we're seeing it from Lamar now because I don't think Lamar is going to get the deal done with the Ravens before his season. So maybe right. he'll come out and have a judge type season after betting on himself. But who else? There's got to be somebody else. Yeah, so 65780, if, if you can think of somebody who's bet on himself that has approximated what Aaron Judge has done. And not only is he has he bet on himself, he is chasing history, and he's doing so in a very tough media market that if he wouldn't have come out and been strong, would have been absolutely picking mm-hmm. him apart every day. And he just seems not only to have outperformed the expectations, but proven that he could be the, the face of any franchise, mm-hmm. including the New York Yankees. Right. A couple of texts with Joe Flacco, who took his oh, team to a yes, Super Bowl, that's a won, really the, good won the one. Super Bowl. Uh, somebody else texted in Kirk Cousins. I don't think what Cousins did in his last year with Washington is really what Aaron Judge is doing this year with the Yankees, but it's a good call. He did bet on himself and got a ton of guaranteed money. Joe Flacco is such a good call because Aaron, we know how talented Aaron Judge is. He's one of the best players mm-hmm. in baseball. I don't think anyone at that time thought Joe Flacco was one of the best quarterbacks in, in the NFL. No, and became elite. And became elite and won a Super Bowl. So that's a really, really good example. All right. Off and running here on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy coming up. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Ask Uncle Randy is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Line 65780. And it's really important that uh, you, if you have a question as we approach the fall, that you ask Uncle Randy because I want to give you sage advice from somebody who's been around and just kind of understands life. No, I'm just getting warmed up. So I, I, I want you to be, be just trust yourself. Okay, in asking these questions and feel comfortable that you can come to Uncle Randy for a a good answer. Trust tree. Yeah, exactly. Safe space. 
Uh, question number one from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, I retire from work in 30 days. Congratulations. Congratulations. My wife is insisting on having a retirement party for me. I really don't want one. Should I just let her, ha- let her have it and deal with it, or should I stand my ground? No, let uh, let her throw the retirement party, and you might not like it now, but it'll be something that in the future that you will appreciate and she wants to do something for you, and your coworkers probably want to do something for you. So, yeah, just let her throw the party. It's only one day. Just deal with it. So I didn't really want to have a going away thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it would. I, I didn't want it, the attention. I thought it would be too much. Plus, I'm going to be coming back and forth, mm-hmm. and my friends wanted to plan something. So I relented, and it ended up being my favorite night of the whole year. So even though you don't want the attention, and you might mm-hmm. not want to have this moment, I bet. At the end, you'll be so glad that you were able to have so many people you care about in one room and celebrate this big accomplishment. See, and Michelle has been in the same situation as you, and she liked it. So, yeah, take advantage of people wanting to do nice things for you. And be proud of yourself. You're retiring. This is a really big deal. deal. You made it, buddy. Yeah, it's pretty strong. Good job. Enjoy your retirement, too. From the 618, my favorite radio show host is leaving this week, and I'm very sad about it. Uncle Randy, how do we move past this? Wait, where's Anthony Stalter going? (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know that Anthony was leaving. I didn't either. Uh... Here's the thing. (laughs) We will hear from Michelle a lot. She will be involved with the station. So you will hear Michelle's dulcet tones throughout the the course of time here on 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN app. And uh, we'll do our best to uh, help you like a new show. It'll be great. You're going to be in great hands. I can't wait to announce the new show because people are going to be like, who? Bye. Safe travels. Happy trails. going to be awesome um let me scroll here okay everything is here we go uncle randy and michelle my wife and i've been married for 10 years this thanksgiving this thanksgiving we're trying to plan a staycation any suggestions would be appreciated okay you can uh, I, i guess the first question is do you have any kids staycations are always fun uh i i would suggest though that if you do have kids, you try to get somebody, grandparents or somebody, to watch the kids and find a local hotel. If you go to the Four Seasons, uh, you can use the spa there and she can be treated. Uh, you have some beautiful hotels with beautiful views in St. Louis and in Clayton. And I, I think that can spice up the relationship a little bit if you spend a couple of days in a hotel. Absolutely. And there's great hotels here. There's great restaurants. Mm-hmm. Think about... I, I think I probably go out to dinner more than the average bear since I don't have kids, so I'm, I'm not beholden to be at home all the time. Um, and my a lot of my friends work in the restaurant industry, so we're constantly going to different restaurants. And even I have a whole list of St. Louis restaurants that I haven't tried that are outstanding. We're going to Palmano's for our, our goodbye mm-hmm. dinner because I've never been there. I'm sure there are some outstanding St. Louis restaurants that have been on your list for a while that you've never gone to. Check those off the list, too. Yep. Make, plan a great hotel stay and go see some of our our fine restaurant establishments And it's Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Is, okay. So, yeah, I, I think you can have some fun that week and might be a, a little cool. But if you haven't done the Ferris wheel downtown yet, go up in the Ferris wheel and yeah. check out some of the things at Union Station. There are a lot of fun things to do in St. Louis that are new that you might not have done yet that you can take advantage of. 
And at the hotel, I bet there's a great spa. Take advantage of a spa. Exactly. Your anniversary, mm-hmm. 10 years. Awesome. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy and Aunt Michelle, my wife and I want to renew our wedding vows. She wants to go to Nashville and I want Vegas. Please cast the deciding vote. We're both listening. <laughs> All right. I, I would I, I would suggest, I, I wish I knew how old you are. If you could, if you could provide us with an age, that would help. But I'm, I'm just going to draw an arbitrary line here and say, if you're 30, you probably don't need to renew your vows at 30 or under, right? I would suggest Nashville. See, and I was going to go Vegas. I'm not really a Vegas person, but my parents, for their 25th wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. got our entire family and some of their close family friends to go to Vegas. They did the the vow renewal in the, the chapel. Elvis did it. It, it was an awesome time. That's fun. And that's I don't fun. even really like Vegas. And we had the best time. Okay, that's good. I, w- I was just thinking Vegas is a little bit wild. And not that Nashville isn't right now. You certainly have more access to renewing your vows in Vegas than you do in Nashville. I wouldn't completely rule out Vegas, but I would, I would think for me personally, Nashville. The only thing about Nashville is that you can make that trip easier too. You know, you could go for a Preds game. You could go for a weekend away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going to Vegas, you're, you're getting a on a plane. It feels more uh, like, like a bigger moment. We're going to Vegas to renew our vows. So I don't know if that factors into it at all. Now, one of the things that you should do either way is take a look at that Blues schedule and find out if the Blues are in Vegas or in Nashville and maybe do a weekend trek and then renew your vows in the afternoon and then head to the Blues and the the Golden Knights or the Blues and the Predators at night. Bingo. This one, Randy, is tough from the 573. Dear Uncle Randy, my buddy Brandon, I guess I probably should have removed names to protect the innocent, but... A lot of Brandons out there. Lots of Brandons. My buddy Brandon is losing his hair. He looks silly. How do I tell him that he needs to shave his head? I know. I'm going to leave this one to you because I've obviously never been in that scenario. If he looks silly, what you have to do is do a selfie, all right? Get your, get you and Brandon <laughs> together and say, in front of, like, the ballpark or something, let's do a selfie. And then show him the picture and say, man, you do not look great, brother. I love you, but you should probably shave your head at this point. Let Brandon see what he looks like. I think that's an important thing because he might be looking in the mirror, but not be, I mean... He doesn't concentrate when he looks in the mirror. But if you look at him, if another person is looking at him and says, man, this is not great, I think that you have a great opportunity to visually allow him to take in what he's looking like. But if you're doing it, and I don't know where the hair loss is, but a lot of times it's on the back of the head, and a lot of us don't look at the back of our heads. Right, so right. maybe he's yep. not even aware. So if you do the selfie, that might not get the vantage point that you need for him to see That's what it true. looks like in the back, which is tough. Yeah. Hope he's not doing a comb over. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be really bad. Yeah, I don't know, because you know guys lose their hair in, mm-hmm. in different patches, so I don't know what kind of situation we're working with. Maybe text us back, 65780, and tell us the location of the hair loss. Yeah, and the other thing you can do is say, hey, you know, I, I have a buddy, and his life has been made so easy by shaving his head. How about this? You tell him that you heard Michelle on 101 ESPN saying that the hottest look right now for guys is a shaved head and a beard. Bingo. And I'm not lying either. My girlfriends and I were just talking about this. Mm-hmm. If you can pull off a shaved head and a beard, that's a look. That mm. says something about you. 
I don't know, it just gives this toughness and kind of a cool factor. Mm-hmm. My girlfriends and I were just talking about this because yeah. a lot of people we know are losing their hair and they're sh- and they're shaving their heads. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if you can pull off a strong beard with the with the bald head, it looks. I think it looks great. I can't pull off shave uh, facial hair. I've never seen you with facial hair. Ever. That's because I can't do it. You can't grow it. Nope. Matt can't grow it either. He said, right? Nope. One time I tried. One no, time, complete baby face. It sucks. Yeah. One time I did get my head shaved for charity, and I tried to do the uh, the shaved head and the goatee, and it took forever, and my hair was back before my goatee was going. So mm-hmm. not great. Yikes. Yeah, it, it sucks. It really limits you because, like, I mean, I, I would never go. I would never shave my head in the first place. But no, like, you got good. Flat. I can't like grow my hair long because you you realize something. It's like if you're over the age of eighteen and you have like like the man bun or even just like long hair, you got to have a little scruff or else it looks weird. Did we ever consider that hundred percent of the time that Brandon might like that his hair is patchy? Maybe, maybe he thinks it's awesome. No one, no I'm, one, no one thinks that. I don't think that he's probably put that much thought into it. That has to be a very difficult part of a man's life when not only do you realize you're getting older, but you're losing your hair. Mm-hmm. And hair is a very important part of your life. I mean. <laughs> I just spent three hours in a chair getting my hair worked on mm-hmm. yesterday. You know, I understand. And I can't imagine how bummed out guys might be if they're losing their hair. I know there's options, too, where you can get hair plugs and get a toupee or something. But Yeah, Joe Buck put on Instagram a couple weeks ago that he got new hair plugs. See, there you go. But, but it, that has to stink, though. That has to be, be a very devastating feeling. Yeah, probably. I would think so. If, it's something that I really, well, and I haven't lost, I do have a bald spot on the back of my head, but it's, I haven't lost enough hair that it really bothers me. What's Joe thinking that we're not all going to see that post and collectively go, wait, what? Again? You okay, buddy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Two, two more quick ones for Uncle Randy from the 217. Dear Uncle Randy, my brother said he isn't going to Florida with our family tomorrow and, our, and it's our last big family vacation. Everyone is going, but his fiance is not a fan of our family. How do we convince him to go? If it's happening tomorrow, it's too late. You have missed your opportunity and you have to accept the fact that he has a fiance and if she's not fond of the family, that's a decision that he has to make that you can't make, but that's a decision that he's going to have to make over the course of the next year. But the fact of the matter is if you're leaving tomorrow for Florida and he says he's not going because he's staying with his fiance, he's not going. He's not going. No. He might regret it down the road, right. but right now he's not feeling that. Nope. And that's what you have to hope is that there is a level of regret on his part, but you just have to take the vacation and enjoy it. Don't think about the fact that he's not going to be there because he's not going to be there. You, you might not want to do this, but maybe have yourself or your wife or someone else in your family reach out to the fiance and just say, I don't, I don't know where these feelings may have developed, but we think you're wonderful and we would love to spend this time with you. No pressure if you don't want to go, but just so you know, we care about you and we think that you're great and we would love to have you as part of the family. Even if you don't believe mm-hmm. it, maybe appeal to her ego a little bit to get, to get your family member to come. And I wonder if she's invited that's another part of this that we aren't aware of but it it doesn't sound like she was part of the plan to take her down there the 618 says tell your brother his fiance tried to kiss you (laughs) that'll come on vacation that'll that'll solve the problem yeah okay last one and i think this is a good one to end the segment on because nobody knows about this more than uncle randy from the 618 dear uncle randy Mm -hmm. i'm getting married this weekend Congratulations. congratulations 
Can you give me any advice for a long and happy marriage? Uh, yeah, I can give you a lot of advice for a long and happy marriage. We will be 36 years, I think, in uh, in November. Amazing, Randy. It is amazing. Who would have thought that, that somebody could put up with me that long? After you proposed with a microwave. Which was a hot thing then. Joan pointed that out to me. She said, you, you, not everybody had a microwave then. It was A microwave was actually a pretty cool thing then. So it was important. But what you have to do for a, a long and happy marriage is you, inevitably you're going to have fights but you have to pick your spots and only f- don't fight about things that here's put some thought into before you get into an argument. Say, does it, is this really important to me? Because for the most part, if you ask yourself that question before you get into an argument, you say, no, it's not. Now she might get mad or he, thanks for the text that you don't want to engage in a fight, but ultimately you're better off not getting in a fight. And that includes, Sometimes things that might be perceived as big, like the color of siding on a house, or I've mentioned the furniture thing before, at the end of the day, you aren't gonna care about that. So pick your battles. And then the other thing is, if I think you have to be consistent in showing your love. You can't let that fade. You have to do nice things all the time, whether it's randomly buying her flowers or taking her out to dinner or just doing nice things. Do the same things that you did while you were dating. Advice. Thank you. It kind of works. Don't let that love fade. Don't let that spark fade. Well, yeah, don't. (laughs) What were you going to say, Uncle Randy? I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, no. (laughs) Coming up, three questions about the Miami Dolphins here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Any other questions for me, counselor? I don't really understand your question. Are you fooling me? I'm right. It's a question. That's a clown question, bro. Then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less. And now, it's time for three questions on the Miami Dolphins. Hey, hey, hey. Let's go. Miami and the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. in the NFL, the most hey. explosive wide receiver in the history of the league. Did you not just listen to T-Pain? We're talking Super Bowl, Randy. Hey, we travel <laughs> up and down the field like no one's ever seen. It's time for three questions about the Miami Dolphins. And uh, Matthew? Number one. What do you got for us? Well, you mentioned it. The most accurate quarterback in the league, the most explosive wide receiver of all time. I mean, with those kind of components, you got to think Tua Tagovailoa is going to be pretty good this year. So how good is Tua Tagovailoa going to be this year? Well, we don't know how good he's going to be, but he better be better because they have gone all in on Tua. They've Mm -hmm. surrounded him with protection. They've surrounded him with weapons. And here's the good news for Tua, Randy is that there's really nowhere to go but up because he wasn't that uh, great of a quarterback last year. He was actually 29th in yards per game. I know there's a lot of talk about the arm strength, but I think that you can look at Tua, who is a serviceable enough quarterback, and, and look at everything he has around him. And if Mike McDaniel 
can't win with Tua, that's a problem. I, I don't think that he needs to be Tom Brady in order for the Dolphins to have success is what I'm getting at. And they do have a very good defense. Hopefully that defense will be as good as it was last year when Brian Flores and his staff were there. It was an excellent staff last year. But I do think that if they put Tua in the right situation and don't try to throw the ball deep on a regular basis, that they can win. And what he needs to do is get the ball into the hands of people like Hill and Jalen Waddle and throw that little uh, 10-yard cross to Mike Gusecki. And they can succeed just by getting the ball into the hands of their weapons. He's been getting so much hype this preseason internally. Tyreek Hill, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. saying he's the most accurate quarterback ever. Uh, his head coach, Mike McDaniel, saying that he's had a great camp. He's developed a lot, that he's really taking ownership of the offense. And while I appreciate that they're saying all these positive things about him, I almost think that all of this internal hype that they've done is, A, to distract from the fact that they were ty- trying to get Tom Brady and mm-hmm. that they wanted Deshaun Watson and that Tua was essentially the breaking case of emergency. If we can't get somebody else, we'll have two. They're trying to distract from that. But I also think they're setting him up almost for us to be disappointed because they're setting the bar so high, praising him so much during camp. Now, let me give you a thought here. Okay. Russell Wilson, obviously, great deep ball. But Russell Wilson also had a lot of the same skills with a Z that Tua possesses. (laughs) Daryl Bevel was the offensive coordinator in Seattle when Russell went to the Super Bowl. Could Daryl Bevel be the the key that unlocks the talents of Tua? Hmm. Perhaps. We'll see. Number two. Mike McDaniels. I'll tell you what, this guy coordinated an offense with a guy who couldn't even keep his job the next season all the way to the 13th best offense in the league. He must be able to coach some offense, but can he take over the entire team and can he do it without Kyle Shanahan above him? Mike McDaniels, how's he going to be for a head coach this year? It's a hard thing to do. Now, they have put together, like I said, a pretty good offensive staff, pretty good staff overall for Mike McDaniel. But you never know how a coordinator is going to do as a head coach. We had the hottest coordinator for a couple of years come to St. Louis. Now, the team was trying to lose, so that didn't help Steve Spagnuolo. Mm. But he also left something to be desired in the leadership in the building aspect of things. Yeah, just because you're good at your job somewhere doesn't mean you're ready to be the guy. And being the guy is a whole different animal, as we've learned. But... Randy, I like that Mike McDaniel isn't trying to be anyone but himself. He's been in the league since 2005. He's Mm -hmm. only 39 years old, so he's been in the NFL for a long time. He's gotten seasoning as in different positions, a running back coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. He, I think, knows how to have success in the NFL, having been in so many different organizations. And I love that he is just so who he is. He He's kind of dry and funny. He's got the glasses going. He's a mm-hmm. younger guy. I think that he's going to be a good head coach. And I think that because he's 39, that he can relate to his players on a different level, by and the he way. actually might have somewhat of an advantage that Steven Ross is suspended for the first six weeks. So that power vacuum, because Stephen Ross apparently is in the building on a regular basis, maybe McDaniel is able to assume some of that leadership that that organization clearly needs. And I love that he came from the, that Washington bunch that produced mm-hmm. so many great head coaches, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. He, he's been around his peers that have ascended to head coaching success. So I like that he's he's got that in his lineage. Still not happy that they fired uh, B-Flow. B-Flow, yeah. Are you not happy that they fired Beeflo because you like Brian Flores or because you love saying Beeflo? Because I like saying Beeflo. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs>
that. <laughs> but they did did Brian Flores wrong. They did big time. So. Big time. I liked number Pino. number three. Sorry about that, Michelle. What about Mikey McD? Come on, we can get some nicknames going here. Yeah, just McD is fine. good. Yeah, McD, that, that works too. Number three for the uh, for the Miami Dolphins. The NFC, AFC East, excuse me, has been dominated pretty strongly by the Patriots for a long time. The Bills are at the top now. So, with that quarterback playing better, with that coach, can the Dolphins supplant the Patriots for number two in the AFC East? Without a doubt. Just like a lot of people aren't sold on Tua, a lot of people aren't sold on Mac Jones. And here the Patriots are on August 31st, and they're still divvying up play calling duties between two different guys. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the Patriots have the pieces in place to be the Patriots that they once were. And even though Bill Belichick has has not had a firm offensive coordinator in the past and had success, he did that when he had Tom Brady. I don't know if you can do that with somebody like Mac Jones. And I just think the Miami Dolphins on paper are a better team. I think they have better pieces. And this is the season, Randy, that they finally leave the New England Patriots in the dust. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. And I'll say it until it changes. Without Tom Brady as his starting quarterback, Jeff Fisher has a 5-12 winning percentage. Without Tom Brady as his quarterback, Bill Belichick has a 473 winning percentage. Do we know how many games we're talking about? What's the sample size? Is it comparable? Uh, Like 100, I think, for uh, Belichick and like 300 for Fisher. Wow. So, yeah, it's a pretty significant sample size. He's overrated. He's a product of Tom Brady. And yes, so the answer is yes, the Dolphins can pass the New England Patriots so in the AFC East. You're telling me the Patriot way was actually Tom Brady's way and yes. not Bill Belichick's. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Just spouting facts here, Michelle. Spin them out. And he doesn't have Josh McDaniels. He doesn't. So they got problems there. All right, fine, Randy. Here's the question. Yeah. Higher yards per attempt this season. Tua or Mac Jones? Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to go because Tua actually has a couple of wide receivers. I'm going to go with Tua. Now, he might throw the... When we talk about yards in the air, Mac Jones might have 20 and... No, he won't have that many. He'll probably have 10 and Tua might have 8. So it's not going to be a big deal. I don't know, but Tyreek Hill so fast. If Tua's under-throwing it, maybe he can make the adjustment, come back, get the catch, and then go in for the touchdown. Tua's weapons are clearly superior to Mac Jones' weapons. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we haven't even talked about Waddle. We haven't even talked about no, Jalen Waddle right. yet. He's a stud. It's absolute stud. He he was so great in his rookie mm-hmm. campaign. Think think about if you're Tua and you know you have the protection now and you could you have Waddle as an option. You have Tyreek Hill as an option. Not only internally are you getting confidence, but I would have confidence that those guys would make me better. Definitely, and uh, they've got a good third receiver in Cedric Wilson Jr. Their running back situation is pretty good with Chase Edmonds. So yeah, there's a lot of good things here. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, get your text in because we have Take It or Leave It coming your way next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. We don't have the 
the fight at 8.30 today. It's at 9. Joe West, former Major League umpire, is going to join us with his great stories coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. But right now, it's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, did you see that Jackson Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' Ugh. brother, graduated from college? No, I didn't, Randy, because I try not to consume Jackson Mahomes' content. I think that's a smart idea on your part. He tweets, quote, Now that I graduated college, it's time to start looking for a job. Take it or leave it, that job will be as a TikTok star. Oh, take it. <laughs> I, I don't see Jackson Mahomes being the type of person that could handle a, a nine-to-fiver. I don't believe he can either, no. I think he's his job is going to be sponging off of his brother. Seems pretty entitled. Yeah, I would say so. You know, I'm not really a fan. Of Jackson? Yeah. No, he, me either. And and I don't know him personally. I just know what I see on the on the t- the old TL, the timeline. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't seem like my my type of guy. I get it. Not mine either. And that's yeah. okay. I don't think he'd be my friend. Not everybody is for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he wouldn't like me either. But mm-hmm. I just can't imagine Randy being on the sidelines trying to support a family member mm-hmm. and saying, can you get out of my way? I need to prop up my phone so I can do a, a little dance on the sidelines of, of my family member's job. Terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. This whole TikTok thing, it's so it's, bizarre. It's crazy. The Randy, people. I will be walking down the street and see people dancing alone mm-hmm. in the street and I'm looking and there's their phone propped up against a tree yeah. or something. That, I'm like, this is how we're spending our time? What happened to us? That's a great question. What happened to us? You spent all this time scrolling TikTok, looking for dances. You memorized the dance, and then you're going to film yourself out in public doing it for what? What purpose does that serve? Zero. Zero purpose. I don't get it. By the way, some good news for you, though. Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker last week broken up last night at dinner. Those crazy kids. Yeah. Love, love prevails. Yeah, there's, well, there, there's just a lot of emotion in that relationship. But it's great to see that they're, they can't quit each other. What's their couple name, Randy? You know, we have, oh, we have Benifer, we have Brangelina. Do they have a couple name? Devil. Okay. D-A-V-A-L-L. Walked right into that one. (laughs) Walked right into that one. So, Randy, uh, Bob Bryan of the Boston Globe was on recently with Jeff Goodman. They have a basketball podcast, and they were talking about Kevin Durant. There had been all those rumors about Kevin Durant wanting to get out of Brooklyn and potentially the Celtics being interested in acquiring Kevin Durant. And Bob Ryan said this about KD coming to Boston. He said, I don't want to win with that bleep head. Wow. The bleep begins with an S. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's a family show, so I'm, I well, and per my job and FCC rules, FCC, I, I, yeah. I can't say the word, but you get what I'm I'm throwing down here. Take it or leave it. You would rather win with a bleep head on your team than not win at all. I would rather win with that bleep head <laughs> on my team than many other bleep heads. Yes, I or lose with other bleep heads. I I I have no problem winning with a guy. He's never had any legal issues or anything like that. He's never given me any reason to boo him. I would not mind having Kevin Durant on my team and winning with him. And it's almost statistically impossible for you to win in professional athletics and not have somebody on the team that's a bleep head. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah, you got to have one guy. You got to have one guy who's got a little bit of sandpaper or too much of an ego or is just a jerk. In mm-hmm. every walk of life, you're going to have someone who's a jerk usually at your job. So there was a player from the 99 Rams, and we were with the Rams a couple of weeks ago, the 99 Rams, at DV's 
Hall of Fame induction. And one player told me, he said that DV got the group together for their first meeting after the, the cutdown. So they're down to 53. And DV said, look around the room. He said, there isn't a D in this room. And the guy said, and he was right, except for one guy. <laughs> but how good was that one guy? He was pretty good. I'm just saying. And they won. And they won. And they won. (laughs) And you'd rather win with that guy on your team than not win at all. Bingo. That's exactly right. All right. The text line 65780. Matthew, what do you got? Take it or leave it. Dak will have next spring to prove himself as a starter, but a reliever who can't throw strikes, I'm out on that. You know what? I first saw Dak Prescott, uh, (laughs) and now I know it's Dak Hudson. Hudson. Yeah, Dak Hudson. Dak Hudson will be around and will... I think that he will not be among your top five entering spring training next year. Because I think Wayno's coming back. I hope Wayno's coming back. So Wayno, Montgomery, Flaherty will be there. You know Miles Michaelis Michaelis. is going to be there. Uh, And then... Oh, and then whoever you get for Tyler O'Neill. That could be, yeah. (laughs) Per our conversation yesterday. But then you've got that group that includes Hudson, Libertor, Zach Thompson... Uh, you've got Woodford? a lot of guys. Woodford will be here. Yeah, so you'll you'll have a lot. Will of he though? I don't know. It's the the great well, big Jake Woodford mystery. If they hate him that much, how are they going to trade him for anything? <laughs> the results are there. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Oh, that's never stopped a team from being a good trade done. That they hate the player and another random team doesn't. Right. That's that's <laughs> right. And true. they won't bring Quintana back. Somebody tells yeah. me Armstrong's pulled off that exact situation. Yeah. Uh, take it or leave it. If uh, Andre Pallante is the, in the rotation next season and Hudson goes to the bullpen, same kind of question, but a little bit different. Uh, I, I think Andre Pallante will probably be in the bullpen next year to start. I I prefer him in the bullpen. I do too. It makes the bullpen a lot better. Uh, we have a lot of people throwing out Stephen Matz's name. Oh yeah, Matz. You forgot about him. I knew I was forgetting somebody. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've completely forgotten about him. Pretty important piece of, yeah. of the rotation. Yeah, so there you go. Take it or leave it. Paul DeYoung will not be on the Cardinals in 2023. Leave it. $9 million, do $9 million. Based on his performance over the last couple of years, I think it'll be very difficult for the Cardinals to move Paul DeYoung, and they're going to cut him and swallow the $9 million, so I think he's going to be here. I think so, too. We just got we just got a note presented to us Bulletin. that Joe West is in the lobby. All right. Thank you to go. Iggy, who yeah. came in and told us. Appreciate that. And we thank you for your text, 65780. Next up, the Cowboy, Joe West with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Every Tuesday, we talk to Mike Claiborne, co-host of the Joe West 5460 podcast, the Cowboy, the former Major League umpire, and uh, one of the great storytellers in baseball, does the podcast with Michael and joins us here in studio here on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman and Randy Carricker. Joe, it's good to see you. Oh, it's good to be here. I'm excited about this, you know. You get me up early in the morning, I got a good head start now. <laughs> hey, the, the one thing that I want to... I wanted to start with is because we always hear 
nobody in baseball complains about the travel, but we know what it's like. And it's more difficult for umpires than teams. You guys didn't fly charter, and you guys no. had to be in a different city all the time. You, did, you didn't have home stands. So being away from that, what's that been like? Have you had a chance to decompress from those 45 years of the travel that you did every six months or six yeah, months every year? Well, you know, um, when we first started, I was in the National League, and we only did the National League teams. So when you'd go to the West Coast, you'd go for three series, and then you'd go back east. And because you only were working one league, you, your travel was a lot harder than it is today. Even though it's not easy today, because uh, now if you work now that you work both leagues since 2000, they've they've consolidated the umpires into one group so that they work both leagues. Um, you go to the West Coast and you work. Oakland, San Francisco. So you'd stay in the same hotel for both series. Mm-hmm. You go to New York, you work the Mets and the Yankees. And then, since then, we added replay. So you might be in New York for two weeks. You know, mm-hmm. so that made, that made a big difference and helped you with the travel. But there again, you when you do travel, you're having to travel commercial, and that's not easy. We had, um, we had situations where we had to tell the commissioner's office and the league presidents, you know, if uh, if you rain this game out and we don't play tomorrow afternoon, we can't make the game on the West Coast. <laughs> so oh, wow. uh, we actually had that situation happen in New York. It was the Dodgers and the Mets in a playoff, and they were going to have to rain out the game that night. And the television came to them and said, "Well, we want to play primetime tomorrow." And I told Bart Giamatti, I said, "If we play primetime tomorrow, we can't get to the game in, in Los Angeles." And you're going to have to charter a plane. So he looked at he looked at Peter Ubron and said, "What do I do?" And Peter said, "Tell him the game's at one o'clock tomorrow. And if you want to televise, you need to be here." <laughs> Amazing. Well, Joe, we obviously know about your career. We know how decorated you are, the longevity that you had. But I want to know about the origin story. I know you played baseball growing up, but how did Joe West become an umpire? I, it, the funniest thing was uh, I was a 12-year-old kid sitting in the stands at Guy Smith Stadium, and one of the parents didn't show up to umpire the bases. Now, this is the same league I was playing in. So the two coaches saw that I was probably the only male person at the stadium, and they said, well, let Joe West umpire the bases. So that was my first deal when I was 12 years old. And then I played football in college because my – my mother found out they would pay for my meals, and she said, <laughs> she said, let me get this straight. You're going to pay for his room and board. You're going to pay for his meals. And she looked at Mike McGee and said, that's what you're telling me. And he said, yes, ma'am. And uh, she turned to me and said, you will play football. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I used to, he wouldn't let me play on the baseball team. So I used to go umpire the local high school and, and uh, Legion games you know, after spring practice, but that's how I got started. And then this guy saw me umpire one time, and he was a director of uh, the umpires in the Carolina League. And he had hired big league umpires, Andy Olson, John McSherry, Frank Pooley, all these guys. And he said, if you're going to do this, you ought to learn how to do it right. <laughs> so, so he took me to some clinics, and he, he showed me little things that you wouldn't think of that anybody would notice, like, how to take your mask off without your hat coming off. Oh. Well, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but if your hat comes off and blocks your vision on a play at the plate, that's a big deal. Right, right. So I used to stand in front of the mirror for hours and practice taking my mask off so that my hat didn't come off. And 
after a while, it becomes second nature. And my brother thought I'd lost my mind. You know? <laughs> He's over there practicing on his guitar, and I'm taking a mask off in front of a mirror. But uh, those little things helped me when I went to the umpire school because I was ahead of all those kids, you know. And you hold your indicator, you know, your clicker in your left hand. Little things like that that you don't think of. You know, I, I never thought of this, Joe, but you mentioned that you officiated other sports. And when Whitey was younger, he officiated a lot in basketball. Do you, oh, yeah. do you think that, and I think most for the most part, umpires do have a, a great level, or pl- managers have respect for the umpires. But because Whitey had been through it, did you have a different relationship with a guy like that? Well, Whitey was really funny. The last time I kicked him out of a game... I actually told him, I said, you know you can't talk about my partner like that. He said, I know. (laughs) But he sent me a great big picture, you know, of me kicking him out of a game. It was it was like a collage and it was it was hilarious. But uh, and it was over. This was back when they and when the Cardinals and the Mets were fighting each other every day for the pennant. So uh, and. he was angry about a pitch or something that the plate umpire had called, and he said something to me about it. And he, he was a little vulgar about it. And I said, you, you know, you can't talk about my partner like that. And I threw him out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, were, were you able, because I think that was the best baseball I've ever seen. As an umpire, you kind of have to detach yourself from how great the games are, don't you? Well, do you it, or do you get drawn into you know, the, the drama? The, the greatest part of this job was that you're witnessing a piece of history every day. Some days it's bigger than others, but... You're you're there and you're part of a piece of history every day. I mean, I was, I I know this because I saw it on the scoreboard. I was behind the plate for Willie McCovey's 500th home run, and they put it on the scoreboard. <laughs> That's the only reason I knew it. And then I was at first base for Nolan Ryan's fifth no hitter. Um, the only, I only had uh, one no hitter behind the plate, and that was Clay Buckholtz, and that was only like his second start in the big leagues. But uh, you know, I've been there for a lot of things that happened. I mean, the uh, the playoffs back in the 2000s where it was the Yankees and the Red Sox, I was in almost every one of those. And, I mean, I, I know you remember the play at first base with Alex Rodriguez slapped at the glove. Mm-hmm. Well, if I don't change that, we're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. So, And the first base umpire didn't see it because there were so many people running at him. He didn't see Alex reach out and slap at the glove. So, And we changed that. And... Uh, Put Jeter back on because Jeter scored on the play, and we put uh, him back on first. Called Alex Rodriguez out, and they threw everything in the world at us. Somebody threw their car keys at the third base umpire, and oh. it was a BMW car keys. What? We should have gone through the parking lot. It's <laughs> <laughs> your car now. So you mentioned Joe, the no hitter uh, uh, from Clay Buckholtz that you were behind the plate for. Now when. That is happening. You always want to get the call right. But do you feel pressure as something like that is going on, even more pressure to get the call right, as you know, a no-hitter is on the line? Well, you you know, the the coolest thing is, and I hear announcers say this all the time, well, he's hesitated. He waited. Well, that's what you should do as an umpire. You wait till you gather all the information before you call anything. And when something like that's happening and you're at first base or second base or even behind the plate, you should wait just a little bit longer to be sure you've seen everything the correct way, and uh, and you'll get those plays right. The, you know, umpires are human. They're going to make mistakes. But the the good umpires don't make mistakes in a crucial situation, and that's that's the big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I've been very lucky all the all the playoffs I had and the 
World Six World Series. I had a. I've been very lucky that all my screwed up plays I got right. <laughs> so, I mean, I had a I had a situation in Houston a few years back when they were playing Boston, and Altuve hit a ball in the right field, and it's probably going to go over the fence, and Mookie Betts jumped up and reached up to catch the ball over the playing field, and a spectator reached out and closed his glove. <laughs> so. I had to call L2V out for spectator interference. So the next day, my wife, Rita, who you want to interview anyway. I do. She's fabulous. I say Lewison, by the way. Yeah. The next day, we're going to lunch with a friend of mine who's a lawyer there named Sam Adamo. And when we get to the restaurant, it's a little Italian restaurant on the west side of town. He's there in his three-piece suit, and he's got a glass of wine and a cigar. And he's looking at the tops of the buildings across the street. So we pull up and said, Sam, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for snipers, but I think you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Cowboy Joe West with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We talked about uh, Nolan Ryan, and I want to ask a question about Adam Wainwright, too, coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Stank guy going at each other all game long. Well, Joe West is not going back behind the, the catcher. So what is he doing? He, he wants to throw him out or what? He's not going to back away from confrontation. It's just not in his makeup. Who, which guy are we talking about backing away? Well, come to think of it, hey, it's both guys. The Cowboy Joe West with character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. How did you get the nickname The Cowboy? Well, <laughs> I had written a few songs, and I sent one of them to Merle Haggard. And his fiddle player, Jimmy Belkin, who was a friend of mine, sent it back. He said, if I give this to Merle, it'll be a B-side record. And this is back when 45s had an A-side and a B-side. And he said, if he puts it on a B-side, you, you won't be able to do anything with it. He said, you ought to put it out and make it a novelty thing. And this is in the middle 80s. And uh, so by the time I got this back from Jimmy... I had I had written a couple more and I had arranged a couple of instrumentals that I thought would be really cool to play when I would go to Gillies because I was a Gilly rat. I was living in mm-hmm. Houston, Texas, and I used to go to Gillies almost all the time. And and uh, so when I got it back, we put together some money and we took the studio musicians that Mickey was using and and used his studio and and we cut a full blown album. And, one song on there, we only did one take on there. It was called Sing Me Back Home. It was a Merle Haggard song. And I used to do it on stage with the Gillies house band. <clears throat> and we only did one take, and we kind of lost it in the shuffle. And so it came out on vinyl, and it came out, Blue Cowboy came out on the single. That was the title cut, Blue Cowboy. And uh, and when it came out, we, we kind of lost Sing Me Back Home. And when we remastered it into a CD... We found it, and the sound engineer was Jim Duncan, who's in the Radio Hall of Fame. He said, "We need to, we need to put this out there. This is this is very good, you know. <laughs> Even though it's a cover, it wasn't mine, but I mean, so we added that, and so now we have all these songs on this uh, Blue Cowboy album. And I've been selling that since the middle '80s. You can find that on MajorLeagueUmpires.com on the on the internet, and, and there'll be a section there that lets you order those. But uh, it's really funny that." The second album I cut that you've got in your hand there is called Diamond Dreams. Yes, sir. 
And it's all baseball stories except one song that was written by the producer who was George Jones's piano player, Kid oh, Goodson. Great. And it's called, If You Cheat on Me, You'll Be Out at Home. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Did you get a chance to hear Adam Wainwright singing on Sunday Night Baseball? And if so, what did you think of no, him? I didn't get a chance to hear it. I've been trying to find it. I need to see We've got it. We'll it. have to play that for you next no, segment because we, be cool. we would love your assessment of Adam Wainwright, yeah. the musician. Yeah. <laughs> so an umpire that preceded Joe West, Ron Luciano, I think he was in the American League for two years while you were in the National League for two years. But he wrote a book called The Umpire Strikes Back. And one of the things that he wrote was was one time he was umpiring behind the plate for Nolan Ryan, and Ryan throws a fastball, no call, and he said, sounds like a strike to me. What was it like to be behind the plate with Nolan Ryan pitching? You know what's really funny is, uh, and I tell people this all the time, once, once you learn how to umpire behind the plate, the harder they throw it, the easier it is. Hmm. Guys like Ryan and... Uh, J.R. Richard and Tom Seaver, they were easy to call. The the knuckleballs and the sliders at the knees, they were the toughest pitches. But a guy like Nolan Ryan was, was easy to work. Now, he wasn't easy to hit because you had to catch up with him. But I can, I can remember one day I was in, going into Texas and I was in the Rangers ballpark, and I, as I'm walking to the locker room, there was, a, there was a group of people coming. There was about 20 people. And I recognized one person. It was Jim Sundberg, the old catcher. And he was doing a, like a meet and greet with all these people. And he's walking them through the ballpark. And he stopped me and he said, ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is Joe West, one of the senior umpires in baseball and blah, blah, blah. And then I'll give him credit. He introduced me to every one of these people by name. Now, my mother was one of 13 kids. And I couldn't tell you all of them's names, but he knew everybody's name, introduced this, so and so and so. And the last person he introduced me to was his wife. And I said, well, I bet you probably yelled at me before. She says, I never yelled at you, ever. But Ruth Ryan sure did. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, a couple, maybe a month ago, there was a game where I thought Wayno was, and Wayno fools hitters. Can you, if a pitcher has a good curveball like Adam Wainwright, can that fool an umpire at times? Well, yeah. If you don't wait to see everything, that's what we were talking about yeah. earlier. You wait. need to you need to be sure you wait till the whole pitch comes in. And and the good thing about umpiring is you don't hit it have to hit it out in front of you like <laughs> the hitters do. You wait to to be sure that cross the plate at the right height, the, over the right corner, this, that, and the other. And uh, and and that's that's the sign of a good umpire that he waits to make that call. And um, and and you watch pitches that they complain about. Usually, the umpire called them too quick, mm-hmm. and that's that's basically a key to help you. I mean, there's only three ways you can miss a player or a pitch, and that's a lack of positioning, lack of concentration, and lack of timing. And timing is waiting till it's all over. It'd be like the judge is going to hear a case, but he's only going to hear from the prosecution. Well, he didn't hear the whole case, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you have to wait till you get all the evidence. So. You've had such an interesting and unique vantage point to some of the best pitchers in the game, and I'm sure you've you've seen so many amazing pitches. But what's a pitcher that threw a pitch that made you even go, wow, that's unbelievable? Well, those knuckleballs that the Necro brothers threw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, my first game, I had Phil Necro and Joaquin Andujar. Wow. One guy was throwing gasoline, the other guy was throwing butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> 
and the game was over an hour and 57 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't see that today either. Joaquin was an interesting character. Yeah. Joaquin had a great statement when he was with the Cardinals. He said, Whitey Herzog has it really easy. He's got nine leadoff hitters and Jack Clark. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, you spend a lot of time here. I know that you have a great relationship with Rick Hummel. You have great relationships with Jack Buck and Mike Shannon. We always talk about, and we hear it nationally, that St. Louis is the best baseball city. What, from an umpire standpoint, was different about St. Louis coming in, in as an umpire? I think uh, the fact that it's a baseball town and it, and it lives and breathes baseball, everybody... In the surrounding area comes through. You know, there's another small city in the Midwest, Cincinnati, where when they had the big red machine, they did the same thing. But the Cardinals come win or lose. I mean, the fans here are completely different. They're they're loyal to a T, and that's that's I think that's what really sets them apart from everybody else. But uh, and I can remember the old days with Jack Buck and and uh, and he was he'd come to the locker room and he'd tell us a story. So there. There at the end, he he was uh, he was just tickled to death to come down and say hello to us. And he even told his son, he said, "You know, if you don't know their names, how can you say anything about them on the air? How can you ask your question or something?" He, and Buck was he was really good with us. I mean, and I, we've had a lot of great announcers. You know, Ernie Harwell with Detroit and Vince Scully, who just recently passed. Uh, but. Uh, and I used to salute Vince when he'd sit in the press box up there, and he <laughs> would he'd get up and salute back. And but uh, yeah, we, we've been very fortunate. I I don't think people realize that uh, someone like Jack Buck, with being the voice of the Cardinals, he's heard all over the Midwest, and and they live and breathe and die on every word that he would say. They did the same thing with Mike Shannon before Mike retired. But uh, and there's and there's very few people that had the longevity that those guys I think right. Dwayne Stats is probably the the longest tenured announcer that's here today and he's yeah. with Tampa Bay but and he's from here yeah and and he's yeah he brags about that because uh I talked to him oh, a few weeks ago over in Tampa and he was uh I'm trying to get him on my podcast because he's he's been an announcer for six decades and he he he'd be a good guest to have so when Tampa Bay comes to town you need to get him yeah definitely Joe, speaking of your podcast, the 5460 podcast, it's amazing. You've had so many great guests, Charles Barkley, Joe Buck, Jerry Reinsdorf, just to name a few. Who's your white whale? Who do you really want to get on the podcast and have a conversation with? You. Oh, anytime, Joe. You just give me a call. I'm boring, though. <laughs> no, we've, we've had a lot of great guests. And I think the thing we tried to do with it was to prove that umpires aren't two-headed monsters like everybody believes they are. And it was really... It's really cute because uh, I've known Charles Barkley for years because of golf tournaments, and we've had we had Larry Gatlin on, we had Dave Casper. This week, I, Emmy Lou Harris is on for this week, and uh, she's a big baseball fan. She's she'll sit up in the stands and, and say, "I think the umpire squeezing him." <laughs> <laughs> she's really cute though, because she loves baseball, and she didn't she didn't start following baseball until she had this band that had. Uh, uh, the mandolin player in the band was a Cardinal fan, and and I think it was the bass player was the Cubs fan. I said, well, you didn't have it very easy there. She says, oh, we respected each other's viewpoints. <laughs> she was very diplomatic about it. <laughs> the great Joe West with us on 101 ESPN. We're going to talk about the longevity of this remarkable umpiring career with Joe next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We can go for a ride, stay at home, build a fire. We can go see the newest movie, play our favorite songs live, hear the roar of the crowd. That all sounds real good to me. That all sounds real good to me. Joe West is with us, the cowboy, and that is Adam Wainwright. Wrote that song and uh, is a huge country music guy. What do you think? That's great. He's got a little cry in his voice and everything. That's cool. (laughs) I like that. Hey, uh, a couple of things, Joe. Number one, about St. Louis. It's interesting how your career intertwined so much with St. Louis. You passed Bill Clem for the all-time record. Your last game was a Cardinal game. It seems like the Cardinals and Joe West seem to always find each other. Is that? Do you look at it that way? (laughs) I I never thought of that. You know, I I tell you, it was really funny. Somebody asked me one time. He said, "What's your favorite?" Favorite stadium, and I said, "Well, it used to be Wrigley Field, and then they put up the lights." So now I, I used yeah. to, I used to make happy hour, and I have trouble making last call. <laughs> so, and the fifty four sixty podcast debuted in May on the Podcast Heat Network, and you can hear Joe with Mike Claiborne, and a new one drops every week, and it is terrific. We, we've had the opportunity to listen to a lot of them, and it, it's something that I know that. Just in hearing you do it, that you you just love talking to people, right? You just love having those conversations with your old friends. Well, yeah, and they are my old friends. We've only had uh, one guy on there that he really wasn't an old friend, but he was on there uh, promoting that uh, one ad that we have for the B1 uh, patch, and that was Rick Barry, the Hall of Fame basketball Mm -hmm. player. So we've had a great array of, of people from... We had Jerry Reinsdorf, and the people in Chicago were yelling at Mike and, and Joe over here, how did you get Jerry Reinsdorf? He doesn't talk to us, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had Hawk Harrelson, and Hawk Harrelson and I have had our battles over the years, and uh, and the, the Charles Barkley uh, podcast, that was that was funny as it could be. Uh, but, uh, of course, he's funny anyway. He's just uh, he's just fun to be around. And uh but we we've been very lucky with the people that we got. Rick Hummel was one of our mm-hmm. first guests. Mark Grace and and Kelly Chase, uh, and that was hilarious. They they told us stories that could probably put them in jail uh, for for their uh, running into a flock of geese. So. <laughs> and the good thing about this is you can get every one of the podcasts when you when you click onto it. And uh, this week is Emmy Lou Harris. And we have uh, Jim McMahon's coming up, so uh, we've 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 had a great array of people. It was just been a lot of fun. This this profession has opened a lot of doors uh, for me. I I can't count the number of presidents and um, uh, another guest we had was George Will, mm-hmm. and you talk about somebody serious about baseball. He <laughs> he he has his ideas as how things should be done. And, <laughs> And he's not afraid to tell you. So, but uh, it's it's been a it's been an interesting run. Who is the person that you met or got access to through this job that you were the most shocked by? Well, oh, I would say presidents, because we've had them come by our locker room. And you know, it's really funny. Years ago, I was um, working with Dutch Rennert, and Dutch was retiring that year. So I stole one of his umpire hats and I took it to a place here in St. Louis 
to get the oak leaves put on the bill like an admiral's hat. <laughs> and so I took one of my hats, too. And so I was just going to put it up on like a shelf as like a display and everything. So we come out, we get to Houston, and we're coming out on the field. And who's sitting there but George and Barbara Bush? And I knew George Bush wore the same hat that I wore because of a hat maker that we both have in Cincinnati. So I said, boys, wait right here. I'll be right back. I ran back to the locker room, and I got this umpire's cap with the scrambled eggs or the what you call the oak leaves on the on the uh, brim, and I gave it to George Bush, and he put it right on. Wow. It was cool, and it's in his library today. Oh, that's great. But the unique thing I noticed was over his shoulder, I saw that Barbara Bush kept the scorebook, just like the official scorer. So whenever I'd have them at a game, and I would have a change that I would, was going to signal the press box, I would tell her first. Oh, that's great. Barbara, the pitcher's hitting fifth. And then I'd point upstairs. <laughs> and she thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And years later, she was in the hospital for something. And we called one of the Secret Service people. And I wanted to send her some flowers. So they said, send them to our office and we'll take them to her. So I did. And, and within three days, I got the nicest handwritten letter back from Barbara Bush. And she was, she was big on that. I, I didn't know it then at that time, but that's one of my keepsakes. You know, I have a, a Merle Haggard baseball and I have a Barbara Bush letter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Incredible. What else? What else did you keep from your career? Oh, I have all kinds of things. Uh, and it's funny. I learned, I learned real early that when Haggard signs something, he just writes Hag. <laughs> he doesn't write Merle Haggard. If you see Merle Haggard on something, Bonnie Owens wrote that for him because she, <laughs> she was, I think she was his third wife, but she sang with him for years. And, and uh, so it, it was really neat because when I'd go visit that band, I knew everybody in the band. You know, it was really cool. I got, I got a call the other day from one of his bass players, Dennis Romack. And uh, I was in, I was in Minnesota for something. And, and uh, it was, it was really funny. Here's this, Bass player from Merle Haggard's band lives in the wine country in California. And he knew some people that I was sitting with at, at this bar. Imagine that being at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I would, uh, you know, George Bush, Merle Haggard, you know, um, I, I got, I was lucky enough that, uh, and here's a funny story for you. I met this guy named Sam Lavella. Sam Lavella produced every hee-haw there was. Huh. And Sam Lavella and Tex Switson, who was Merle Haggard's old manager, got me on the Grand Ole Opry for a, a charity event. So I sang with the hee-haw band at the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. Now That's rem- amazing. Remember that name again, now Sam Lavella. So it was years later, I'm umpiring a spring training game in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and this kid came to bat, left-handed hitter, he said, my dad said, I better say hello to you. I said, who's your dad? He said, Sam Lavella, which, who produced there. So I get to talking to him. Oh, how's he doing? Everything okay? Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the catcher looked up and said, can we play now? <laughs> you know, so, <clears throat> so this kid that said, I, 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 my dad said, I need to say hello to you, was Tori Lavella. Mm-hmm. He's the manager of the Arizona wow. Diamondbacks. <laughs> All those years, you know. Amazing. What a full circle moment. Yeah. So we see a lot of players that when they get into the box, they like to chop it up with the opposing catcher, with the umpire. Who was the person that you knew was always going to come in and, and say hello and kind of give you the business? 
Well, I was pretty bad about making them say hello. When they were first time up, I would say, if you, I don't know where you played last year or where you're going to play next year, but if you don't say hello the first time up here, you're not going to be here very long. And they <laughs> was, they would, okay, yes, hello. hello yeah. <laughs> but uh, a couple of years ago, they had this uh, player for the Red Sox. You might remember him. They called him Big Poppy. Yeah. we In St. Louis, we certainly remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, when he first came up, he was a Minnesota twin. And when he first came up, you know, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. He was a terrible first baseman, and every now and then he'd hit a ball really far, but for the most part, he had not developed as to what he later became. So the Twins traded him to the Red Sox, and he had a wonderful career. And uh, and he would, I mean, but that first game he I had him in spring training over in Tinkerfield in Orlando, he came out and he's throwing the ball around. He's this big, goofy-looking guy, and I said, "I hope you play in this league a long time." And he says, "Oh, thank you, thank you very much." I said, "Cause as long as you're in this league, I won't be the ugliest guy in it." <laughs> so he just bowed his head like, "Oh, I got, I got caught there," you know. So years later, he announces his retirement after all those great things he did with the Red Sox, and uh, he comes to bed in May. And he says, I have something to tell you. I said, I don't want to hear it. You guys play too slow. Get in the box. <laughs> he said, no, just let me tell you one thing. Okay, tell me one thing and then get in the box. Said, you know I retiring. I said, I don't care if you retire. Get in the box. Let's go. You know. He said, one, just one. okay, hurry up. He said, next year, you be the ugliest guy in the league. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Remembered after all those years, so so I did. I told that story on one of our podcasts, and I got a call from an old friend in California, and he says, "Hey, now that you've retired, who's the ugliest guy in the league?" <laughs> <laughs> what a line! Okay, so Big Poppy's the one that would come up and chop it up with you. Who did you know that when they stepped into the box, they were likely going to be the most combative? With a call that you would maybe make. Oh. Well, I don't know. They, most of them knew by the time they got got there that I wasn't going to put up with any grief. So they didn't, <laughs> they didn't give me a hard time. But or maybe but, a manager that you knew might question something. Well, we, you know, Gary Carter. He was he talked to everybody. I mean, he he never shut up, <laughs> and he was amazing because he had two strike zones. He had one strike zone when he caught. And he had one strike zone when he hit. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he never shut up. Was the nicest guy. Uh, if you ever had a charity event and you invited him, he would be there. He'd be one of the first people there. And I'll never forget that I worked the All-Star game in 80, 86, I think it was. Anyway, he was uh, he was on an elevator with my mother. And uh, where she got this baseball, I don't know, because I didn't give her a baseball. She had it in her purse. And she asked him for an autograph on the elevator. And he had this real diplomatic answer, you know, I, you know, I've signed a contract. I can't sign baseballs unless the the money goes to a charity. And da 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 da. And he's so somebody on the elevator says, uh, "Let me get this straight. You're not going to sign Joe West's mother's baseball." He said, "Let me have that ball, ma'am." <laughs> <laughs> hey, how is Tony to deal with between the lines? Good, good. No, Tony Larusa was very fair. I mean, he was. He was hard-nosed, took up for his players, and uh, he used to say things at the meeting at home plate. If 
if it's questionable, just trust the umpires. He would say that. And uh, he did say this one time. He, somebody asked him why he, he never yelled at me very much. He says, because he saw me play in the minor leagues and he didn't laugh at me. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's great. But uh, I've known Tony for what almost forty five, forty six years. So he was, yeah. And I had him as a player in the minor wow. leagues. The Cowboy Joe West. We've got a few more things about some great Cardinals coming up as we head down the stretch of this eight o'clock hour. Joe West, kind enough to join us with Carriker and Smallman on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The Cowboy Joe West with Character and Smallman for a few more minutes, and we thank you for your time. It's been great. I want to ask you what you think of the game right now, because it's different than the game that we watched in the 70s and 80s. What do you think of baseball right now? Well, there's, there's two things I don't like. Uh, I don't like putting a runner at second base in extra innings. Mm. I think when they brought that up, I said, well, what, what would Harvey Haddis have thought when he's got a perfect game going into the ninth inning and the, you're just going to stick a guy on second base <laughs> when, he, when he threw three more or four more innings of perfect baseball and we get to put a runner on second base. And uh, it's it's gotten to where I think the the players are not understanding how to manufacture one run. The, the the old Whitey Herzog teams, they could manage a run. Mm-hmm. They could get out there and steal a base or bunt a guy over. And uh, on one of my podcasts, we had Jim Leland. He said, he said, they don't hit and run, they don't bunt, they don't do the little things to win games until they get to the playoffs. And he said, and you watch them when they get to the playoffs, the good managers will do that to win a game. And so I don't like that rule. But uh, then again, there's there's a lot more to that than – than whether I like it or not. It's whether the fans like it and, and so on. The designated hitter has been a bad rule since it was invented. It was never a good rule. Um, and it was put in the American League to get guys like Carl Jastrzemski and maybe a Mickey Mantle to play one or two more years as a designated hitter. And I think that's wrong. I think that the pitchers should bat. The pitchers should learn how to bunt a guy over. Mm-hmm. The pitchers need to be part of the game. If you told Don Drysdale or even this kid pitching today, Madison Bumgarner, that you can't hit anymore, they'd get mad. Yeah, right. Wayno's <laughs> upset about it. So it's not – I don't think it's it's a good rule. Um, I can remember Ron Fairley said to Joe Morgan, all it does is give the pitcher carte blanche to throw it who he wants to because he doesn't have to bat. And I can – prove that that's a fact because when Roger Clemens got traded from the American League to the National League to pitch for Houston, he was a headhunter when he was in the American League. And when he pitched for Houston, it was amazing how a power pitcher didn't hit anybody all year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot of people, Joe, in St. Louis that are thrilled with the designated hitter this year because it's allowing them to see Albert Pujols hopefully get to 700 home runs. You, I believe, were behind the play for his 400th home run back in 2010. What do you think of Albert doing what he's doing right now in 2022? Well, I think it's great. It shows that us old guys can do stuff. <laughs> and I and he can still play first base. In fact, I think he played yesterday, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, he started yesterday. And, of course, it, 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 uh, it takes away – the DH also takes away from the manager having to do things um, in, in a certain situation in the game. And I can point back to Billy Martin uh, wearing out his pitchers in Oakland because he had the DH. 
and they would pitch more innings than the rest of the staff because he didn't have to change anybody in the fifth or sixth inning for a pinch hitter. And Earl Weaver was the same way. Earl Weaver, would he'd have pitchers that would throw 200 pitches in a game. He didn't have a pitch count. And uh, so I, I don't think the DH is good for the game. Uh, now, if you talk to Jerry Reinsdorf, he says the fans like it. And like you just said, the fans like it because Albert can play every day. And, that, and that's fair. And if the fans like it, that's fair. But in the long haul, I don't think it's good for the game. And now, that's my opinion. And maybe that's why I was relegated to being an umpire. <laughs> but but uh, I, I, just don't, I just don't like those two things about what's going on today. The players today are bigger, faster, stronger than they've ever been. And yet, we don't have any Willie Mazes, and we don't have any Stan Musials, and we don't... You know, Rod Rod Carew, they asked Rod Carew about the shift. And they said, what would you hit if they put the shift on you? He said, 900. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the little things like that. And they're trying to do away with the shift. But, uh, you know, if they put the shift on you, then hit it the other way. I, I told Paul Beeston one day, I said, when was the last time you saw a guy play pepper? He said, I can't remember a big leaguer playing pepper. I said, well, that's how they learn to handle the bat. And if you put a shift on, you should be able to hit it to the other mm-hmm. side or even bunch your way on. You know, that's that's just uh, that's just bad coaching. So those are little things that I think that, you know, we have to go back and decide what we're going to do. And today, you know, I was talking to Danny Cox the other day, and he said the pitchers today don't pitch inside either. And, uh, and that's a mistake. You should. The pitcher needs to use the whole plate, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I can remember guys saying one time, uh, "That inside part of the plate's mine." And the, the hitter saying, "No, oh, the inside part of the plate's mine." And I used to say, "No, nah, it's really mine." <laughs> <laughs> Joe West, the fifty four sixty podcast, five thousand four hundred and sixty games umpired over forty three years. What was the coolest thing you saw? Oh gosh, I think the coolest thing I saw. I wasn't there. Was George Bush throwing out the. The pitch after 9-11. That was uh, impressive. It brought the country together. And uh, he, when he talks about it, and see, I knew his dad and his mom. You know, right, so right. When he talks about it, he, he, was, he was humbled by it, too. I think, I think Jeter got under his skin. He said, don't bounce it. You're in Yankee Stadium. They'll boo you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be throwing out a first pitch on Friday night yeah. for the Cards and the Cubs. Don't bounce it. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I told Rita I'm going to have to warm up before I get there. <laughs> hey, it has been so great to have you here in studio with us. We love the podcast. Love that you're associated with our good friend Mike Claiborne, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time. And oh, It's always you. great to see Rita. Thank you. Of course, I told you you should you should be interviewing her, not me. <laughs> yeah, one of the all-time greats in St. Louis, Joe West. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. That's Joe West with us on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. The fight is coming up next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back.
back to Kara Grant's Moment here on 101 ESPN. It's 9.06 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's welcome in Randy's challenger on this hump day. Dustin is with us. Good morning, Dustin. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How about yourself, Michelle? I am doing well as well. Thank you for asking, Dustin. Are you ready to challenge Megamind today? I am. It's actually my second time. And how did you fare the first time? Uh, three two, three two. Uh, uh, Mega Mind got me there. Oh man! At least you're within striking distance, Dustin. Let's see if you can get him this time. Good luck to you. Thank you. All right. Question number one: How many times has Albert Pujols led a league, National League or American League, in home runs? Is it two, three, or four? Three. All right. On this day in 1997, the Oilers played their first NFL game in Tennessee. How many total seasons did they play as the Oilers in Tennessee? Was that one, two, or three? I believe it was just one. Happy birthday to Bill DeWitt Jr. What year did the DeWitt group purchase the Cardinals from AB? Was that 1994, 1996, or 94, 96, or 98. Uh, I believe uh, 90, 96. And Aaron Judge became the third Yankee to have multiple 50 home run seasons in the pinstripes. Babe Ruth was the first. Who is the other? Roger Maris, Alex Rodriguez, or Mickey Mantle? Repeat the question for me one more time. Aaron Judge became the third Yankee to have multiple 50 home run seasons in the pinstripes. Babe Ruth was the first to do it. Who is the other one? Roger Maris, Alex Rodriguez, or Mickey Mantle? Mantle did it one. Maris did it one for sure. Um, oh, uh, I believe it was Mantle. Score check. Final answer. All right, confirmed. Perfect, perfect. We got it. That's why even Randy's. He's still talking to Joe West. No, I, th- I think uh, I think he got to the third strike on that one. Randy, as you get settled in and get your headset on mm-hmm. for this late edition of the fight, please say good morning to Dustin, who's actually competed against you one other time. You got the best of him, though, three to two. Dustin, good morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Good to have, have you with us again. Thank you. Long-time listener. Really enjoy it. Thank you, Dustin. Megamind, are you ready? Ready as I'm going to be. Question number one for Randy. Mm-hmm. How many times has Albert Pujols led a league, either the National League or American League, in home runs? I am going to say that he has led the National League three times and didn't lead the American League, even though he hit 40 over there. I'll go with three. On this day in 1997, the Oilers played their first game, their first NFL game in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. How many total seasons did they play as the Oilers in Tennessee? 97 and 98, and then obviously in 99, they were the Tennessee Titans that went to the Super Bowl. Two. So, okay. Just want to make sure, Randy, you know people will say mm. justice, justice for, for Dustin. Dustin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Happy birthday to Bill DeWitt Jr., didn't know he had an August birthday. HBD, BD. BDJ. Yeah. HBD to BDJ. There you yeah. go. What year did the DeWitt group purchase the Cardinals from AB? It was, uh, so it was for the 96 it, season, but 
they were in charge, were they not, when the Cardinals signed Gant and Bennis? So I believe the purchase took place in 95, and then their first season was 96. Aaron Judge became the third Yankee to have multiple 50 home run seasons in the pinstripes. Babe Ruth was the first to do it. Who was the other one? Multiple 50 home run seasons in the pinstripes. Yes, sir. Number seven, Mickey Mantle. Seven, Mantle. You're going to do Derek Jeter, too? Number two, Derek Jeter. Jeter, number (laughs) two. And coming into pitch for the Yankees, number 42, Mariano Rivera. 42, Rivera. (laughs) Very good, Randy. Thank you. Now, did you do a very good job on the fight? I don't know. I'm about to tell you. So Dustin lost to Randy three to two the last time these two foes challenged one another. Did Dustin get the best of him today? The better of him? Matt, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Someone didn't love you enough when you were little, did they? That Randy! is the wrong Randy! one. I didn't mean to do oh, this. Randy. Oh, mistake. Randy. <laughs> that was the first time. Do you beat Dustin not once, not twice? You say he wasn't loved as a child? <laughs> At least you didn't do it Dustin, to I am, on behalf of Carriker and Smallman, I am sorry. Well, on behalf of Smallman. I mean, there's possibly some truth to that. I don't know. <laughs> Dustin, did you have, do, you, do you have any tiny kids in the car with you? Because the last time Randy did it, he did it to a father whose kids were in the car with him. <laughs> no, none, none in the car with me right now. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, Dustin, you won't believe this. Randy beat you 3-2 to two again. It just, this is just a pattern here. I am sorry. But you did a great job. Let's run through our answers. Albert Pujols. Led a league in home runs twice, 2009 and 2010. On this day in 1997, the Oilers played their first NFL game in Tennessee. They played two total seasons as the Oilers in Tennessee, 97 and 98. 97 in Memphis, 98 in Vander- Vanderbilt Stadium, and then 99 to what is now Nissan Stadium. There you go. It's Bill DeWitt Jr.'s birthday, HBD to be DJ. And in 1996, the DeWitt Group purchased the Cardinals from AB. It was actually in March of 1996 for $147 million. Final Not paperwork bad. being signed. How about that ROI? Wow. Um, Aaron Judge became the third Yankee to have multiple 50 home run seasons in the pinstripes. Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth was the first. And the other one is Mickey Mantle, who did it twice, 1956 and 1961. Dustin, thank you for listening. Thank you for playing. And I'm sure did your family... Did say 95? No, he said that it was purchased in 95-96 season. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. He said they were making moves in '95, but yeah. he, what he said was the it was the '96 season when they purchased him. Yeah. That technically was the correct answer. See, it's, it's me questioning stuff like this is why I was not loved as a child. Uh, <laughs> well, Dustin, we love you. You're, you're loved right now by Car- Well, at least by Smallman. I don't know about character, but thank you for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you, guys. All right, we appreciate it. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Randy, you said '96, right? Yeah, I said '96. Okay, the, 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 the AB ownership had the team, and they were making. But the Dewitt. Here's the thing: the franchise had not technically been sold, but they were making moves on Christmas Eve of '95 for '96. So even though AB technically owned the team in '95, it wasn't sold until '96. Mm. But they were making moves on behalf of the Dewitt family at that point. 
to sign Gant and Bettis and stuff like that. So that's and the last answer I heard from Randy was the ni- was quote unquote yeah, the ninety six season. Right. Same, that's same. So, that, so that's that's just why we roll with though, it because then we would have had a tie. So I just want to double check, triple check. Yeah. Uh, you're killing me, Smalls. Is next on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It's time for... You're killing me, Smalls! Randy, this is a family show, and sometimes there's kids in the car. Mm-hmm. And if there's kids in the car, you might need to make them do the earmuffs, because we're oh. about to talk about the birds and the bees. Okay. Okay. Earmuffs. Earmuffs to the children. So you may remember last week there was an incident at an Oakland A's game where two fans were caught on camera in a very empty stadium on the tippy-top row, and um, they were in an intimate act. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, so mm-hmm. there was a lot of people that saw this video. It was widely circulated, and um, the police were looking into this in- incident oh, for, you know, okay. doing things of that nature in public. Well, I don't know what it is about baseball. We're talking about how people aren't enjoying baseball, and there's no excitement in the game. Well, people are making their own excitement in the game of baseball, Randy, because another couple has been busted for engaging in a sex act inside a stadium. This uh, this time, our friends up north in Toronto. So it was at the Rogers Center for the Jays matchup against the Cubs on Monday, and two fans were caught going at it in the stands. They say baseball isn't exciting. That's People right. clearly are excited by baseball. Someone's getting excited. Yeah. Now, you can literally, at Rogers Center, you can rent a room because there are rooms that overlook the field, and uh, there have been relations that have taken place in those rooms with the curtains open <laughs> in the right. past. That's right. Some people choose to leave them open. Right. I don't know if there's anything against that, but I'm glad that people are getting excited about baseball. The couple was escorted away from the area and out of the stadium, and law enforcement is looking into this. Wow. And it's a sad a sad situation, too, because in both of these instances, the photos and the videos are out there, there's no one else in the stands. You know, this couldn't go down at Bush Stadium. We have a packed house here right. in St. Louis. Well, it could. You just need a blanket. Randy! <laughs> what? I'm just saying. So. Randy! Oh, for crying out loud, right? <laughs> Don't give people any ideas. <laughs> and what if Albert Pujols hits a home run? Somebody jumps up, the blanket yeah. fall? I mean, that could oh, be a bad true. situation. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You're killing me, Smalls. Talk about a climactic mo- moment. Oh. <laughs> Randy! Fireworks, indeed. <laughs> Someone's hitting a home run. Might not be Albert, but somebody's hitting a home run. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> One time, Jack Buck was doing a game. I don't even remember where it was. But he always used to say, so... Uh, that's six four three if you're scoring at home. And one night he said that he said six four three if you're scoring at home, or if you're listening to the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is, what a Jack line. Jack worked blue, Jack worked blue in, a, in a blip of a moment. I like it. I. What'd you say? <laughs> he did what? He went blue, he worked, baby. Worked blue. It's when uh, com- com- no, but we're saying yeah. blue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
didn't even think about that. <laughs> I'm like, he did what? What yeah. are we doing? Killing me, small. Okay, let's, let's talk about something else. Let's talk politics on this sports show. Okay. So... Stephen A. Smith, who is the face of ESPN, he is on the high, most highly rated show on ESPN First Take. He engages in debates every single day. Mm-hmm. Actually, Stephen A. Smith embraces debate, and yeah. he understands what the American people want, at least from a sports standpoint. Stephen A. Smith said that he would run for president, Randy. He actually doubled down on this and said, if the American people wanted me to run for the presidency of the United States of America, I would strongly consider it, and damn it, I mean it. Late, take it or leave it. You would vote for Stephen A. for president. Oh, absolutely. 100% take it. The video of him laughing when the USA won something would be so funny. The, the Twitter video. Can you great. imagine him? Our dealings with Russia? Deplorable. Absolutely mm-hmm. deplorable. Yeah. I think we can. Or depending on who. Just hope that you have the correct Russian president. Maybe it won't. Maybe this guy won't last forever. So that he can say, Medvedenko. <laughs> Who do you think would be in his cabinet? I mean, he's tight with Shaq. We know Shaq pranked him Shaq on the Stephen A. Smith. What what magic? Ca- what cabinet position would you want Shaq to hold? Secretary of Defense? Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't mind Shaq being in charge of the Treasury. You know, he gives money out to people oh, yeah. all the time. I think Shaq would use the money for the greater good. He always talks about how he's never how uh, it's he has money, but his kids don't, and how he has been teaching mm-hmm. his kids since they were little. Yeah. I have money, I'm rich, y'all aren't. Yeah, and that's, that's a good mindset to have for the you know guys running the Treasury Department. Yeah, this guy knows the value of a dollar. Okay, Shaq knows what's up when it comes to money. I think he would be good there. Who else? Who else is in Stephen A.'s cabinet? Hmm. Okay, this is uh, so, so we've got Shaq for the Treasury. I mean, yeah, let's let's throw Shaq in charge of the Treasury. Okay. I think you put Skip in, in charge of the State Department. You know, who's, 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 who, what, con- it, what country's uh, running in circles around him? Come on. I don't now. know if we can do, go with Skip. I don't know. I don't know if we can do that. I don't know. So, uh, who could be a good Minister of Defense? Let's think. Let's think. Is there anyone at ESPN that can really defend a topic? Where's Reggie White when you need him? Yeah. How about MJ? That's pretty good. Yeah. Why don't we just throw Lawrence Taylor in there? Oh, there you go. That's a good play. If we're going sports, yeah. who's who's a better Secretary of Defense than Lawrence Taylor? Head of the Diplomatic Corps, Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Who's the VP? Hmm. That's a, another good one. Who do, who do we go with here? That can't be Max. No, no. No, thank uh, you. No. Oh, J.J. Redick. I like J.J. Keep him in check a little bit. We'll see. He, he's got a relationship with How about Andy Kevin Reed? Durant? Because he's not the bus driver, but he can get he, stuff done. There's the play right there. KD, he's but, he's a winning player, but he's not the bus driver. Stephen yeah. A could be the bus driver. Yeah. Would Charles get involved? For sure. I think so. What would we have Chuck do? I was thinking about him for VP. He might have too much fun, though. You know, we, I need, That's what we need. We need more fun. Make America fun again? Yeah. Maybe. Yep. We have Stephen A and Chuck. Leading the ticket? Who would not vote for those two? I'd vote for them. Me too. Be fun. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls! And Randy John Gruden had found himself in a bit of hot water because of the emails that were released. He's the former Las Vegas Raiders head coach. And he spoke out about this finally. He said, I'm ashamed about what has come about in these emails, and I'll make no excuses for it. It's shameful, but I'm a good person. I believe that. I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. I've got three great boys. I still love football. I've made some mistakes, but I don't think anybody in here hasn't. I just ask for forgiveness, and hopefully I'll get another shot now. A reminder, those emails 
emails contained racist, anti-gay, and misogynistic language. But John Gruden is hoping that he could be forgiven and that he will be a head coach in the NFL again one day. I would say under the current circumstances, he probably will not be forgiven. I don't think so either. Now, he might be a good guy. Whenever I've spoken to John Gruden, he's been really good, really fun, really engaging. I agree. And I think it's just one of those situations where he was too high profile to have been sending the sorts of emails that he sent. Whether they were joking emails or not, the fact of the matter is, is that you just can't do, you can't say what he said in those emails. Yes, and he made these comments, by the way, at the Little Rock Touchdown Club in Arkansas. It's not like he put out a, a mm-hmm. statement or anything. He made it at a at a gathering. Yeah. But I just think, optically, no NFL team is going to want to absorb that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I'm with you. He coached at SEMO. He was an assistant coach at SEMO. That's nice. where he started his career. Grudes. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next, Wayno on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, we're getting ready to speak to Adam Wainwright, but this is Michelle's last week here on Carriker and Smallman, and I wanted to make sure that uh, she gets a chance to say, and her favorites get a chance to say goodbye to her. Ah. So joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is one of Michelle's all-time favorite Carriker and Smallman guests, David Perron. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> DP, what's going on? How are you? How's it going? I'm doing really good. How are you? Well, I'm better now that I'm chatting with you. How's Detroit? Well, exactly. I'm just uh, leaving the rink right now. Just skated with uh, the team here. Uh, brought my son to uh, practice and game facility. So it's been a good day so far. But I'm I'm hearing you're moving on to uh, another opportunity, which uh, I wanted to congratulate you on. And uh, that's amazing. I had a lot of fun uh, chatting with you guys and uh, looking forward to see what you do. Well, thank you, David. I so appreciate you taking the time for the well wishes. And when uh, it didn't work out with you here in St. Louis, David, I came on the airwaves and I said, if David Prun doesn't come back to St. Louis, we riot. And a lot of people, when I made the announcement, were like, you weren't kidding about David Perron. Yeah, and then she left. <laughs> so, so, David, you leave and then like Ma- Michelle's on the right, right following you out the door. That's the support I like to see. But uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, obviously, uh, I'm going to miss the city, I'm sure, uh, you will too, but uh, it's it's been a lot of good good years there, and uh, it's time for me to move forward. And uh, same with you, like there's other opportunities that happen for a reason, and uh, I'm looking forward to see what you're gonna do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, David. And I know we chatted a little bit uh, when we had our last conversation on the air, but I just can't thank you enough for joining Randy and I over the past couple of years. It was so fun to get to know you and uh, get to see your personality outside of hockey and the transparency that you gave us. It was just really fun and contributed a lot to the success of this show. And without interviews like that, I wouldn't be able to get an opportunity like I have now. So I really, really thank you. Awesome. Yeah, no no problem at all. It was uh, a lot of fun, pretty easy for me as well. And just good to give uh, my opinion to fans a little bit. Like you said, some transparency. They, they follow the team so closely, and uh, it's good to kind of be all together in this. David, thanks so much for checking in with us and uh, and wishing Michelle well. We do appreciate it and uh, can't thank you enough. And I'm sure, I'm sure down the road we'll be talking, both at, e- at Big Sounds ESPN good. and here, all right? Yeah, perfect. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. You too, thanks. Thanks, David. We'll talk to you later. Take care. David Perron. I am floored. That was so nice. Yeah, he well, he, he wanted to make sure that as, uh, as you depart that he 
got to wish you well. Well, that's the thing about this show and this station. We are all a big family. You know, yeah. when David Perron moved on, we talked to him every single week. It was sad for us. And Randy, you lost David Perron and you're lo- losing me. What's know, going on? Uh, this is not good. It's not good at all. <laughs> Adam Wainwright better come back next season or else Randy's losing uh, regulars on the show left and right. Right. And I believe Wayno's. Oh, we're going to take a one minute break okay. or so. And then Wayno will join us from Cincinnati. Or is he on, with us now? Uh, it's, we'll be back with Wayno in one okay. minute right after this. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cards. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That's strikeout number 1,000 at Bush Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Third time through the lineup, he strikes out seven, and he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app. A belated happy birthday to our friend Adam Wainwright, who turned 41 yesterday and is on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line this morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, currently looking at Miles Michaelis right now. No, take that out of there. Oh. Miles is standing in the parking lot. Uh, we're on a golf course right now. Miles is in the middle of the parking lot uh, trying to figure out if he should hit it out of it. Which is the answer is no. No, um, it's not. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a couple really nice cars. He's he's uh, he he's going to, you know, we're we're out here in the country playing a beautiful course, but he wanted to stay on the concrete for some reason. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad to know that professional athletes can find the parking lot just like broadcasters can. <laughs> oh, absolutely, we're the best at it. No, we're, you know, we when we get out here, some of these nice courses we get to play on the road and stuff. We we get out here and. You know, they they think, oh, these these athletes are going to come. They, they probably don't think that now, but they uh, they we get there and we go, hey, listen, you're going to see shots today that you've never seen, and they think we're talking about good shots, but we really just mean bad shots. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a couple of things. Number one, Adam, and we've got a lot to talk about here, but I want to know how your birthday was. Birthday was almost really great. We we lost the game. That would have been a great day, uh, but other than that, I got to share it with my teammates and. Everybody in, on uh, social media and all the fans at the stadium and and uh, teammates did a great job of, of giving me hugs and making me feel special. Um, had our fantasy football draft last night, which I'm really excited about. It's my favorite day of the year. So uh, that's a good day for me. You know, um, if we'd have had a win, it would have been a great day. That's fantastic. And uh, if you aren't aware of it, this is the last time that you will be on the show with Michelle Smallman, who's going to ESPN in Bristol, and her last day is Friday. What? I know, Adam. I wanted to tell you you when I saw you at the the ballpark. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, I was going to tell you Friday at the ballpark, but you were so busy. But I wanted to, you know, well, you have a lot to talk about, but just thank you for all the great conversations over the years. Oh, yeah. You've always been great to us. Michelle, we're going to miss you for sure. Uh, have fun up there. It's a that's a big campus. Um, you know, there's not much not much else in there besides that big giant campus. I don't think. I mean, I think you're going to be 
eating all your meals on campus there. Uh, well, I worked there for three years prior, Adam, and I can confirm there's nothing oh. else there. <laughs> there's nothing yeah, else you, in you, there. You're you right. know about it then. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I did tell our mutual friend Adam Amin, Wayno, I was texting with him, and I told him my goal is to work really hard so that one day, hopefully far in the future, when you decide to go into the booth, that the three of us will do some sort of a, a broadcast together. I love Adam. He is so talented and so great at his job and such a great dude. Uh, always helped me a lot. So, yeah, that would be a great partner to have. Adam, when you had the Sunday Night Baseball performance and you were magnificent on the mound, but they played one of your songs and you had the pregame, what did you get more response to? The, your performance, your pregame, or the song? Definitely the pregame. Definitely the pregame. Because, you know, that was the main reason I, I did that was for teaching moments for young players and coaches and, and just tools to be able to show their I, I feel like I've been taught really well and I have some lessons to teach and and uh, I felt like that was an incredible moment for me to, to have a, the, about the biggest platform you can have um, where that would be you know appropriate and, you know if I step up on the World Series stage and do that my teammates gonna go uh, no nah, that ain't gonna work so that was a pretty big platform for me to be able to share some knowledge that I've learned over the years and hopefully help a lot of young kids and I, I, I got a ton of feedback from coaches and friends of mine and players and even players around the league, Joey Votto and a couple other guys um, spoke to me and said, just, you know, well, that was just great. We needed that and baseball needed that and players needed that. But uh, that was cool. The, the, the song got mixed reviews. You know, everybody doesn't love country music. That's all there is to it. And that's, and that's fine, you know, as an artist. And I don't, I call myself an artist very loosely um, as, as a, as a, a very amateur musician right now, um, you know, all I can do is make the music in my head and, and we'll see what happens with it. But, you know, I'm, I'm recording that on my phone in a hotel room, you know, so it's not like any, it's not studio level just yet. And so some of the feedback I got was like, man, the sound quality's not even any good. And, you know, guitar's not great. I'm like, dude, just relax, you know, but, but people who love country music actually reached out and said, man, I love that song. That's good. So, um, if anybody, if one person thinks it's good, I think that's cool. Are you a poet, by the way? Because I, I got the sense just from the words and you put it together and it, it was so poetic. Do you like poetry in general when it's not involved in writing a song? I have a tendency to write a, uh, like a Twas the Night Before Christmas poem about just about anything. I've written a couple of forewords and a couple of chapters for people's books. And, and I, and I like doing that. Um, I wrote a, a, a chapter for a book called the dad project, um, with a friend of mine one time. And, uh, my whole chapter about being a dad was, was in, was in form of a poem. And I just, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a fun way to write get your point across with the, with a catchy little rhyme. I think that that comes across well sometimes. Well, what's the creative process like for the song, Wayno? Do you get the lyrics before you get the melodies, or do you do something on the, the guitar and then you put the lyrics to it? How do you build a song? Uh, they're different. They're different every time. But, um, you know, traditionally what happens um, with me is I, I get – I get a, an, a song for an, uh, an idea for a song. Somebody will say something to me and I'll be like, Oh, that is a great song title right there. And, uh, it's called turn in a phrase. Garth Brooks taught me that turn in a phrase. Mm. And I love turning a phrase. And I think that's just a, a cool way to do it. And then as I'm writing it, sometimes I, I just hear the way the melody kind of sounds in my head. And that sometimes changes in the writing process. And I'm writing with a couple of incredible talented writers 
And, uh, you know, sometimes we get over a song and I, I have it one way and they go, that's not the way I hear it. I hear it like this. And then we go, yeah, that's better. I like that better. Um, hold on one second. I'm going to take a shot real quick. That's what I, I was going to say, if you need to take a shot, feel free to set the phone down and we can vamp here. It's uh, Adam Wainwright on the 7th outside of Cincinnati. All right, so I, got, I got 177 yards slightly into the wind. I'm going to hit a little knockdown seven iron. Keep it under the wind a bit. See if I can. You want to leave it a little right. The green pushing back right to left. There you go. Oh, and it's a beautiful shot there. It's a high arcing shot to the right side of the green. A little short. It's on the green. Not bad. Though. You got a good uphill. It's on the green. So little. It's on the front right of the green. And the short stuff. I actually really like the wind did more than I thought. Should have put a little more harder swing on that. Okay, go ahead, y'all. Sorry, Adam. No, that's great and a great shot. We're doing the golf clap here in studio. Adam, can you do us a favor and ask Miles Michaelis to describe Adam Wainwright's golf game? (laughs) Yeah, here, go for it, Miles. (laughs) Miles, he's a wonderful golfer. He is. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about his skills, Miles, please. Um, Adam's skills on the golf course kind of mirror his skills on the mound. You know, he's got. You know, big drive off the tee, a lot of power, and then just so much touch and feel around the edges of the green. It's really incredible. The second part of that might have been true. <laughs> One seventy. One... He must be watching somebody else pitch. Now I do have a lot of power off the tee, but I don't know why that doesn't translate into into uh, baseball. One seventy-seven with a soft seven iron into the wind is pretty impressive. Yeah, I got some power. You know the. It's never the problem that's hitting it far, Randy. That's never the problem. The problem is hitting it straight. Straight, because I don't throw anything straight either. So, you know, I'm used to bending. So, we know what? I have, a, I have a wonderful golf partner here, though, Miles. And he's, you know, even when he hits terrible shots, he stays upbeat about it. He has a snap real quick, and then he gets back to, you know, being, being a happy-go-lucky Miles right after that. So. Hey, there's a, for people that are going to get out on the course, there's a, a new Wayno cap out. There's some new Wayno gear out if people go to bigleagueimpact.org. And I know you're always proud of the gear that you turn out, and you, you have to approve it because the shirts, and I'm wearing an Uncle Charlie shirt right now, by the way. Yes, confirmed. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I know that that's something that you really care about. You want people, when they get stuff from Big League Impact, to get good stuff. Very important to me. I, I appreciate you wearing the, the uh the shirt too. Those, but see, I, I, I don't. If it's not comfortable, then I don't want to wear it. Mm-hmm. And if I don't want to wear it, I don't want to sell it to other people. You know what I mean? So, uh, it's kind of like when we do those water projects. If I'm not going to drink it, then I'm not going to give it to somebody else. You know. And if if we're doing making these shirts and these hats, if it's not something. Well, of course, I'm not going to wear a hat with Wayne on. I just can't do that. But <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, but but uh, if it's not comfortable and it doesn't look good, then I'm not going to sell it. Adam, you mentioned that you had your fantasy football, your clubhouse draft on your birthday. Tell us how you did. Who's your QB? Aaron Rodgers. Nice. Good Aaron Rodgers is usually my quarterback. I love watching the Packers play. And, and I went to Lambeau one time, and that was a life-changing experience. Um, but uh, he's a guy that everybody's kind of down on this year um, because, he, you know, he got rid of Devontae Adams and, and uh, the receiving core is kind of a question or whatever. But our, our training staff is really good friends with their training staff, and we have a great relationship. And so I texted their head trainer, Nate Weir, last night after our draft. I said, man, i I got to show you this. And I had him and Alan Lazard. Because you know what? 
He's a two-time MVP. And, uh, Randy, I'm pretty sure that if me and you went out there and were his wide receivers, I think he'd find a way to get us the ball. He, he would, is the he, best thrower of the football that we've seen in our generation. I, yeah, I agree with you. He would he would elevate us to a different level. Now, he's not going to get much speed out of me. I, I got the hands, but I, I'm not going to be able to do much after the catch, Adam. <laughs> well, if you saw my game the other day, uh, for some reason, I couldn't even catch the ball the other day. I don't even know what was going on there. I had the catching yips. So, um, uh, he'd find a way, though. He'd find a way to, to gel it in there for us. And he's a he's just a, a once-in-a-lifetime competitor and, and, uh, and talent, I think. Hey, Adam, when you, you were uh, coming on with us during the, the summer months, during especially May and June, you said, hey, we're a really good team, and we just haven't put things together yet. And since the All-Star game, the, the Cardinals have been great. You're six ahead of Milwaukee now in the division. But I look at the Yankee series, I look at the Milwaukee series, I look at this weekend against Atlanta. To me, those are different series for the Cardinals. That made me really believe that you can do some damage in the playoffs. What sort of an impact did it have in the clubhouse for you guys to to succeed, especially against Atlanta this weekend? Well, I love the way we're playing. I love the way that, uh, you know, you got Tyler O'Neill, a couple other guys that really got caught. Um, there's, there's guys really pitching well. I mean, I love Jordan Montgomery and, and Quintana. Those guys are just incredible ads for us. You know, they make our rotation uh, so deep. Um, makes our bullpen better when we can go deeper into the games like that. We got five guys that at any moment could go nine. And I love that about our team. But our team offensively, at the end of the day, in my opinion, we're the two best hitters in the National League right in the middle. Uh, we've got the MVP, and we probably got at least three, but maybe the second-place runner-up also right behind him. And for a pitcher, that's a nightmare. And when we get Tyler O'Neill going like that behind him, and then we got Dickerson swinging it like he's swinging it, and we got a couple other guys really rolling. Tommy Edmonds starting to smack the ball around pretty good. Got power from the left and right. That was one of the best homers in Cincinnati I've ever seen last night to the right side from, from Tommy. Guys are swinging it like that. Um, it could be a very dangerous unit. A lot of good things can happen. So um, just got to keep got to keep rolling like that. We'll be fine. And uh, one more thing from me, and that is you were, you're a fabulous leader, but it still has to hearten you to have the, the young players that you had with you the other day. You had Ryan Helsley, you had Steven Matz, you had Lars Newtbar, and you had Tommy. Players that are willing to take up the cause of trying to help people out with the platform that you guys have. That was so fun to listen to you guys on Friday, and I know that you're really proud of your teammates for, for being a part of it, too. I was so proud of them, and they have such big hearts, and they want to give back. And, and uh, you know, a lot of these times where I'm trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, they volunteer. They volunteer their services. Hey, how can I help? And these guys go to me. I never have to go to them for anything. So I uh, really appreciate about these guys. It was so great, Adam. Um, one more question for me. Randy and I were talking about how it seems like – Cardinals teams, especially ones that you've been a part of historically, find a way to get hot down the stretch in August and September. How does a team continuously do that? It just seems like that's in the Cardinals' DNA. Well, it is. It's about, you know, you create a you create a culture in the clubhouse and in the locker room and, and on the field and just the way you carry yourself and the way you think about things that when it gets down to the most important times, you don't get tight. You stay loose, you stay confident, and other teams end up getting tight in those situations, and that makes us play better ball. So, um, 
we just have a lot of history, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of good chemistry, a lot of good um, memories and postseason together. A lot of these guys have been through that before, been to the NLCS. So when you've been through it, it helps. And when you have the history behind it, with guys like Yachty and me and, and Albert to kind of speak into their lives, then you can really do some really cool things. And I think we have a great mix of old and young. And uh, i got to hit this next shot, so you got to wait for one more oh, second. Okay, let's hear. So right off the green or on the green. Okay, here we go. Adam Winright approaching the shot. He pitches it up there. He's got about 206 yards to carry the front of the green. There's a slight wind at his back. Okay. Okay, okay. We got six. So he's going to try to draw a long six iron into the left side of the green. Interesting choice. Into the right side of the green. He's going to draw a long six iron into the right side of the green, let it play back. Miles, this is an impressive club selection. Not many of us can hit that six iron 206 yards. I think he just hit it 207. Ooh. <laughs> Theater of the That's mind. Great. I'm visualizing it. Yeah. On the green? Okay. Back. A little left. Yeah, a little left. A little left to the yeah. green. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> Tell Miles he did a great job doing the play-by-play. We're, we're in the short grass, so we're, we're chipping off the, off the fringe, so oh. we're good. Nice. Well, Adam, we know, obviously, just hearing this, that you're a sensational golfer. We know that you're an amazing pitcher. You're a champion. You're a father. You're a husband. We know that you're saving the world. You're a great broadcaster. You can also put together music, and you have a great voice. Tell us what Adam Wainwright cannot do. Oh, well, I appreciate you saying all those nice things. Um, <laughs> let's ask Miles. What, Miles, what, what is it that I cannot do very good? Um... Am I going the wrong way? No. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot drive a golf cart very well. <laughs> oh, there you go. You're not the fastest guy on the team. I'm not the fastest, that's for sure. You're the fastest over 40, that's for sure. <laughs> I, can definitely, I can definitely beat Yachty and Albert in a race, no doubt. <laughs> that's beautiful. Hey, you guys there's, have, you guys have fun. There's a lot of things that I don't do well, y'all. I just don't do them. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Self-awareness, I appreciate yeah. that. Good. Yeah, you just, I mean, you just don't even go there. You, you try it out, and you go, nope, that looks good. And just don't go there. Like, I'm not a good jet skier. A jet uh, skier? I'm, I'm not a good skater. Um, I spend all my time trying not to fall when I'm skating. Hmm. And I've never been skiing before, but I'm very positive the first time I do will be a sore, bruised mess. So uh, we're going to wait till we're done playing to do that. Yeah, please do, Adam, please do. <laughs> Wayno, always good to have you with you, you with us, and uh, especially on this day because Michelle's leaving on Friday. So thanks for taking the time. Hit him well today out in Ohio. Thanks, guys. Michelle, we're going to miss you. Thanks for all your wonderful things that you've helped us with over the years. Um, you're an incredible person and incredible broadcaster, so good luck to you. Well, thank you, Adam, and thanks for the great conversations. Uh, I'm so thankful that you shared so much with us about baseball, but more importantly that you gave us access to share your mission and what you're doing with Big League Impact and keep doing all the great things that you're doing. I appreciate you.
Yeah, no, no, pre- no pressure. Now you just go up there and tell all of Bristol about it. You got it, Adam. <laughs> I got you. We know that's right. happening. Okay. All right. All right. We'll hit, talk to you later. All right. Hit him well. Thanks, Adam. Adam Wainwright with us. Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Chick-fil-A. Have a sun joy today at Chick-fil-A, which is kind of an Arnold Palmer, half lemonade, half iced tea, and you will enjoy it. And part of the proceeds for, from sun joys today go to Big League Impact. Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis joining us today. Yeah, very cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and head down the stretch of this edition of Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. and Ajax coming up here on 101 ESPN as Character and Smallman reaches its conclusion for a hump day. This was a fun show, wasn't it? What an amazing show. I had so much fun today. I have so much fun with you both every day, but the fact that we had Joe West in here for an hour telling us great stories throughout his career in baseball. We just spoke to Adam Wainwright, which is always a joy, but he was playing a round of golf with Miles Michaelis, who gave us play-by-play. <laughs> it was fun. David Perron surprised me to call in. What am I missing? The fight? Ask Uncle Randy? What a great day. It was fun. And we'll do it again tomorrow on Friday Eve. Correct. Here on 101 ESPN. Who we have tomorrow? Do you? Are we going to get Danny Mac? Danny Mac is... We're in the, we're, we're working on uh, we're Danny Mac to close huh? out to close out the week either Thursday or Friday. We also got some other baseball guests coming up th- to close out the week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Right. I think and I believe tomorrow we're uh, we're talking to uh, Coach Baruby. That's correct. We are Chief. Yes. Yeah, he's playing in the Ascension, Ascension Charity Classic, Classic in the in the Legends Classic. So it'll be fun to have Chief on tomorrow morning. Great job by our producer engineer Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure, Michelle. This was great. This was an awesome day, and thank you guys for coordinating with David Brown. What a wonderful surprise. And that's just one of the reasons I'm going to miss doing the show is getting to talk to people like Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis and David Prawn and Joe West. It's a it's a very special job. And it says a lot about David that he's we we called and he said absolutely I have to do this. Oh, so so nice. pretty cool. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Black Friday savings at the Home Depot, you'll find top brand kitchen appliances with innovative features that can do more so your holidays can be more. Ovens with built-in air fryers for baking the perfect cookies. Dishwashers with smart tech to clean everything from bakeware to festive mugs and high-capacity refrigerators to keep leftovers fresh. Shop Black Friday savings and get up to 30% off, plus instantly save up to $750 on select GE kitchen packages at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid November 2nd through November 30th. U.S. only. See store or online for details. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.